Everyone, this is Tim Pichot with the Liberty Advisor, and today we've got a special podcast for you. We have a union of the unwanted swap cast, and what that is, it's a whole bunch of different podcasters, mainly from the alternative media and conspiracy genre, who get together to basically shoot the breeze. And uh, the special guest this time is the big whistleblower from Google, who is exposing all the uh, uh, you know tech censorship that was going on uh, from the inside. So definitely, you know, stick around for his fascinating perspective. Uh, you know, we got guys in there like Jason Burmis, who just you know. OG, you know, when it comes to everything, just knowing everything about everything, Charlie Robinson, uh, Grand America, you know, just so many, uh, so many stunners on this show. Uh, unfortunately, Sam Tripoli wasn't on this one, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. I did, took me a little while to get going, but you know, towards the middle and towards the end, I definitely went on a few good rants if you guys want to skip forward to those. And uh, yeah, and just some of the things I want to plug, obviously, you know, we've got the election coming up. So if you want to election proof your portfolio, you can go to the libertyadvisor.com where we can help people roll over old IRAs. 401ks and get them set on a better path. Again, the libertyadvisor.com. And then also, you know, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, would uh, definitely appreciate that. And uh, you can just search the Liberty Advisor Show or search my name. You should be able to find it all the all your favorite platforms. Also, you know, I, I really recommend people follow me on library. That's lbry.tv forward slash at the Liberty Advisor. And then I also want to plug the Red Pill Expo coming up October 10th and 11th on Jekyll Island. So it's G. Edward Griffin's event. It's on Jekyll Island. It's going down. Who knows how many more of these? The last one was 10 years ago. So if it's another 10 years, G. Edward Griffin would be 99 years old. So don't stick around for that one. Make sure you're there. Use promo code, the Liberty Advisor. Anyways, hope you guys enjoy this union of the unwanted swap cast and let me know what you think. And if you want to see you know, more of this, because I, I, I was debating whether or not to release this on the podcast, but let me know what you guys think and appreciate all the support. I really appreciate you know people who were leaving down in the comments that I helped wake them up and then they help wake other family members up. And it really means a lot to me because a lot of times, you know, you get your head down in the sand or you hear, you know, different haters saying, saying things and it, you know, gets you on a path of, you know, hey, why am I even doing this? Why am I even trying to wake people up because we're so far deep into this game. But anyways, enough, enough for me. Uh, get ready for the union of the unwanted Swapcast. Enjoy. Yeah, so another union of the unwanted, uh, one of these episodes where we bring a bunch of people, different researchers, different authors, filmmakers, a bunch of just people in the alternative media and, and bring a bunch of people together to kind of talk about what's going on in the world, research, stuff that we're doing and uh, just provoke uh, interesting conversations. And, uh, and that's what we're doing. And today we have Zach Voris with us, the Google whistleblower, which many of you guys know, and some of you guys I'm sure have uh, seen him on podcasts or whatnot. But, um, but Zach, do you want to, what do you, let's start off with this, because one thing that I've thought about, because you were on my show uh, a while ago, and I think a lot of people are starting to see, this, well, a lot of people force, they, they could see the, the censor, ship issue way before everybody sees it now because anybody who's in the alternative medicine world like it almost seems like that was supercharged in regards to like twitter facebook netflix amazon that was the stuff that they seem to be censoring the most people in the vaccine movement you could see that like you know it was, it was getting harder and harder to find alternative researchers and people who in that realm uh to give you a different perspective and you saw that right because that was one of the the topics that really caught, caught your eye in regards to seeing that those things were being censored uh more than other things and um so the stuff that's going on now could you i mean you obviously f could see this coming from a mile away uh is, is this happening the way you predicted it is this a, do you have uh any opinions on how far you think this is going to go and maybe yeah. so 
so one of the big reasons why I blew the whistle was because I continuously saw that parents of vaccine injured children, you know, with uh, autism and these other autoimmune conditions were being censored. And it just seemed like it was, it was like, well, you know, there's some side of the debates where you can see both sides, but there's no side that I want to be on where that side is censoring mothers with uh, children that have autism. Like what they have experienced qualifies them to, you know, talk out on a platform that's literally named, you know, YouTube. Uh, looks like my video is kind of paused, so sorry about that. Um, and so it was this censorship, you know, combined with all the other censorships, it sort of became the tipping point in my decision to disclose and blow the whistle on the whole damn thing. Um, and, you know, I, I, there's like a revolution going on right now with decentralized media that bypasses the gatekeepers. And honestly, I, I, I just saw from the inside that the people that were in control of YouTube decided that this was no longer going to be the case, that they were going to boost up authoritarian uh, narratives and channels, and that they were going to suppress all the trashy fake news. And I saw that the fact that they called it authoritarian authoritativeness was their way of getting around things that were true, right? Like it wasn't about whether it was true or not. It was whether it was based on an authoritative source of information. And, you know, essentially that aborts the whole sort of technological information revolution that we're going because with the information revolution, you know, we as individual citizens can now talk back on a global public platform, uh, our ideas. And if that gets shut off, then, um, we're essentially going back to the dark ages where someone in a church has an authoritative opinion that's centralized. And then it get, it gets pushed all the way out to the, to the nodes, to the ends, you know, to, to us subjects. And I realized that they were trying to put the genie back in the bottle. And if they were able to succeed in this, then we would never have decentralized media ever again, because it would have been one of those failed experiments. Well, we tried the decentralized media, but then they all kind of came for us with pitchforks and torches. Um, and uh, I don't think that we would be able to ever recover from that because the future that I see is that either we get to be, you know, we, we get to have the, this, this decentralized narrative or we're going to have a future where it's going to be the AI controlling the, the narrative. It's going to be the AI that's trained on a test data set that has predetermined that certain narratives are fake news. And so anything that approaches that sort of similar space of what they consider fake news gets automatically suppressed. And if we live in that sort of world, then uh, we're going to realize that there's this AI machine that watches us, that censors us and influences our life at every single point of control. And, um, and yeah, and so I saw that they were going to use this to rig the election against Donald Trump. And, you know, I'm, I'm 
I'm not necessarily a huge Trump fan. I just think that um, there's a process in place and Donald Trump won that process. And we need to live with the consequences of that for the next four years. And for them to abort that and try to do this coup attempt, uh, which they were quite open about, like with inside the company, um, then that was something that I didn't want to live with myself as, as being a contributing part of that system. And so, yeah, that's, so I blew the whistle and I disclosed all the documents that I've been collecting. So Zach, how about the fact that uh, on the 23rd, the DOJ sent out or published red lines on section 230? Yeah, so the DOJ has been, is it the DOJ? I'm not sure if it's the yes, DOJ it's or the, the DOJ. Or, okay, so the <laughs> DOJ. Yeah, they, they issued a bunch of proposed changes for the section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. And essentially what they're doing is that they're clarifying when a company like Google or Facebook loses the protected status of uh, uh, a, um, what's the word? Uh, publisher versus platform. Uh, yeah, platform. The, the platform uh, instance. And uh, they're gonna do, they're, they're gonna lose it if they moderate content in bad faith. Now, it's funny because when I see the current situation of section 230, even though it is somewhat ambiguous, I still believe that, you know, it's clear that what the censorship that these companies are doing should strip them of all immunity, right? It, Section 230 does not say that Google has to treat all content fairly. What it says is that if they don't treat content fairly and they do viewpoint-based discrimination, then they lose the protection of immunity from being sued. And that's something that should have been clarified by the court system. But the only thing that the court system has done is essentially turn around. And then I'm talking about with like the lawsuits with Prager University, the lawsuit with um, Laura Loomer. They've come around and said, ah, actually they have like immunity for, for protection. And we're just going to dismiss the lawsuit pretty much like outright. And, um, this is this is unfair. Like they should have lost it. Like clearly, Google, Facebook, YouTube is doing viewpoint-based censorship. If someone comes out and says, "Hey, you, you need to protect your immune system with vitamin D and vitamin C," and that gets censored as policy, then that's viewpoint-based censorship. They're not acting as a platform. And so it's unfortunate that we have to come to this point where we're where we're clarifying Section Two Thirty. I see nothing wrong with Section 230 the first time that it was written. And even though the legalese is pretty dense, um, a person of average intelligence and reason can look through that thing and say, yeah, what Google and Facebook and Twitter are, are doing is um, outside of the, uh, of the bounds of the limited liability that protection that they've been enjoying for all these years. I, I have a question for you, Zach. You know, being on the inside of uh, Google and it being the parent company of YouTube, and then, of course, Alphabet is their parent company, and then you have the Android operating system, um, you know, it's my understanding that a lot of these people are kind of interchangeable. So is one of the problems here that, you know, the censorship isn't being stopped because of all these government contracts 
with the National Security Agency and Google or NASA and Google in AI and quantum computing. I mean, we basically already are led through these algorithms that may not be AI, but that will be the next step. Um, so, so isn't this a bigger problem that the military industrial complex kind of likes this control over the narrative? Yeah, and I think that that's the trend that you see worldwide. Like, look at Russia, look at China, look at Europe. Which one of those countries has given more liberal values in the last two years with respect to social media? And the answer is zero. They've all backtracked on their on their social on their liberal values, and they've gone towards a more authoritative stance. And so it's not just a trend in the United States; it's following a global trend. Right. Well, I mean, from your experience, also, I mean, who do you think is controlling this? Clearly, it's not the CEOs. This is bigger than them. This this is impossible to pull off internationally to this extent that we have, we're fighting to, to get the truth out while we're being lied to by you know everyone in the media. But I don't believe these tech guys, I, th- I believe somebody bigger than them must be giving them their, their, their marching orders. They're all the same. One person gets struck, uh, gets a strike on YouTube, suddenly they lose all their followers on Twitter, they lose yeah. all their followers on Instagram. I mean, this is a bigger, this is a conspiracy that's way bigger than and just these platforms. Isn't that true? How can it not be? Yeah, I mean, they're all walking, they're all walking within lockstep of each other. You know, when, um, when Alex Where's Jones- Where's that coming from? Uh, well, that's, that's a really complex question. Um, and um, I will say that the dividing line that I saw between uh, these people is that the people that are doing the censoring and the narrative control believe that they're God. Right. Uh, they've got some sort of like self deity and they think that they can remake society. Um, and, um, and they're, they're godless. And right. I hate, and I didn't, you know, I was an atheist myself. And so I didn't really expect that this would be the dividing line between, um, you know, these two groups of people, the ones that be- truly believe in Liberty and ones that believe in clamping everything down, but literally everyone that's clamping everything down right now, uh, is some sort of like atheist leftist technocrat um, technocrat um, out there, and they all subscribe to this like weirdo groupthink. And you know, as a former leftist myself, I like I I thought that that groupthink was correct. But then as I started to see other sources of information, um, I mean, I, I did the calculations of global warming and all the the greenhouse gases and i went wait a minute this is this is completely fake science um and you know and then i started to show that information to other people and then like these like inbuilt subroutines that have been programmed to them just like launch and you feel all experience this like you're like i think global warming's fake and it's just being done to enrich people at the un and people go oh no you're a hateful bad person x y and z well, that's that's the plan, right? If you, if you say anything. Yeah, go ahead. No, Miriam, you know, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say one. Now they're mixing uh, concurrent psyops because now COVID yeah. is is part of climate change all of a sudden. <laughs> then I want to say as far as who takes directions, they're taking as far as vis-a-vis health, they're taking directions from the World Health Organization, which is China. And then I just wanted to bring right. 
something else that on the 26th of September, YouTube blamed robots for censorship and almost 11 million videos were removed after YouTube gave its machine learning system more autonomy to censor content. So now they're blaming their effing robots. And you know who's running their machine learning system, I'm sure Zach will know, uh, is a woman called Fei-Fei Li. She, uh, she was the head of the Chinese uh, Google China with Eric Schmidt. And uh, all the people at Google got very upset that she was involved because she was clearly working for the CCP. And a week into COVID, who does Twitter hire on their board? The expert from Stanford, uh, who also is uh, deep, deep, deep in the CCP uh, to run their uh, AI. Yeah, and what's really bad about Fifi Lee is that she stated that when it comes to AI, Google has neither countries nor borders. Oh my good God. And so it's like, okay, so that means that anything that Google works on can be transferred to China. And in 2017, Xi Jinping said that any technology that has a military use uh, can be accessed by the People's Liberation Army in China. So um, that's basically like you, you take the dots and you connect them and you see a technology transfer happening from the United States all the way to the Chinese military. Right. They were like, look at Russia, look at Russia, look at Russia for two and a half years when, when we should have really been looking at China because, I, I, and I'll, I'll let everyone else speak, but I, I, Jason and I have talked about this too. People don't realize that uh, almost every high position in the UN right now is run by a Chinese national. Yeah. And they're in the middle of Manhattan. Yeah, but here's, here's the big question. Who's enabling that? And it's not the Chinese. Right. There's, a, there's an intermediary, and I'm gonna dance around this, that is taking US technology and they're transferring it to China and these people have stated that there is that they're going to match America's innovation with Chinese uh, manufacturing capacity, and this is a big, big problem, because you know we've poured treasure and hours into developing the United States as a technology leader, and it looks like that's just going to be cut up and then sold wholesale on the market to other nations, which are our geopolitical rival. Dak, I have a question. Do you mm -hmm. know anything about, or how does the Google Jigsaw division fold into this? They say it's a it's a counterterrorism kind of how to use online censorship and avoid cyber attacks, and it's run by, I think it's Jared Cohen, who was from the yeah. State Department as a really young guy. It just seems like it doesn't get much airtime, but it has to play a role. Right. So uh, let's say you're a country and. You know, you get a you get a bunch of telecommunication goodies, and then all of a sudden one day the system gets turned on, and all of a sudden your text messages don't get through, uh, unless you're an in, you know a counterinsurgent or you know someone that's that's trying to destabilize your country. Um, and uh, essentially, Jigsaw is a way to bring down a country by disrupting its communications of the people that want to stabilize the country and keep it intact, and those that are trying to take it down, i.e. the deep state. And I don't know too much about the system other than that's what it does. It essentially, um, you know, makes communication with the state officials 
very difficult uh, when that country is attempted to be brought down. And I believe that this this was done in Syria, and it might even also have been done in Libya. And maybe Ukraine. Yeah. Along the same vein, what about crowd tangle? Is that something that's used similarly? What's I don't know. I think it's it's uh, some sort of AI program to identify the trends and basically how they jump on shit so quickly. Like after 20, you know, 12 hours or whatever, they're all over those, you know, the freedom trending hashtags or whatever. And they've they've identified it through this thing called crowd tangle, apparently. For YouTube? Uh, everything, I think. Oh. Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, whatever, whatever's trending that they don't want to trend. Yeah, one of the things I came across uh, just looking at all this is uh, if you go to the InQtel website, they have a sub project called Be Next. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you start climbing through those, um, they're, who's headed up by Tarot Tool, by the way. Uh, we all know her, Mentool One, all that good stuff. But uh, there's a uh, category called Project Domino, where it's just going through social media, Twitter, all this stuff. And uh, basically what they call information hygiene, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's well, also so not for Nazi. Let's also not forget who's one of Google's top engineers is Ray Kurzweil, who uh, someone asked him about God, and he said, "Well, basically, I'm going to become God in terms of transhumanism." So, I mean, this stuff really starts all the way at the top with guys like Kurzweil. Too late. Jeffrey Epstein claim that role. You know. Yeah. Well, you look at that. That yeah. Kurzweil division's like the end of life division. It's been at work for over a decade, and I, I just want to ask Zach again, being on the inside saying these people are godless, saying they're into technology. I mean, in your opinion, are we on the verge of an automation nation, transhumanist agenda, where human beings, not just in the United States, but throughout the world are kind of pushed out? Yeah, I mean, our entire economic system has been built around a consensual labor model where the oligarchs required the human labor input in order to build their empires, conduct war, and base their economy on. The problem is, is that we're coming to the end of that cycle that has existed since the dawn of civilization. Robotic labor is going to build the next version of our society. And the question that I have is, are they going to, what are we, what are we going to do about all the people that the system no longer needs to do its labor? Um, you know, it's it's like well, in a perfect world, they would we would expand. So I drove. I'm sorry, I talk too much, but I drove cross country last year and I saw thousands of miles of abandoned farms. Uh, Jason's moving to Iowa, I think. There's so much like it's just expanding your feelings. Like I grew up in Jersey, thinking I wanted to live in New York or LA or Miami, which I've lived in all three. Always thinking that was the goal, but maybe the goal is you know to reclaim the land. You know, maybe start a farm, go, you know, yeah. start a family, go out there. Like the, the land's not, there's so much abandoned land as you drive across the country. It's unbelievable. And, so and it, in the name well? of what? Saving the land? No. Hey, Nancy, th this is your first uh, union of the unwanted. You want to uh, give <laughs> a little brief introduction and then give us uh, your thoughts on what we're discussing? Well, I'm from New York, <laughs> born and raised. And... I'm leaving New York. <laughs> it's just, it's just maddening. I used to actually work at Goldman Sachs and I ran all of the e-commerce there. Programmer uh, is my first passion. Then I became a functional medicine specialist. So I've seen 
the lies and deception in both brokerage and high corporate, um, as well as in medicine. So I've worked with special needs kids. That was what I did 20 years ago in my private practice. And 95% of the time, it was due to an injury that the doctors denied ever happened. So I see that deception. I see what's going on with Google because I have the only place that I can put information out is on a password protected website that I own on my own server for now. Otherwise, everything was censored. Um, even simple things like I was in the heart of New York, in New York City, and I had so many people that we kept out of the hospital doing homeopathic and herbals, and I couldn't put that information out online. So I've worked with doctors who were able to give medications, um, perhaps illegally, once Andrew Cuomo put an executive order saying medicine couldn't be given to COVID patients. Uh, it's just maddening. And where it's going is even worse. I mean, like Trump or don't like Trump, there's so much stuff going on that's beyond who he has sex with, what he pays in taxes. These are all distractions. And it's all about the control and I think Fauci and Gates and China and everything else. So I love the fact that you have all these amazing minds come together. Um, I just see it in both corporate world as well as medicine that there is censorship and the people are clueless and they listen to their doctors and they listen to their politicians and it's really sad. Well, it's funny because Zach briefly said this and I, and I, uh, I talked about on a recent podcast or interview or something about how it's funny how historically you would think like functional medicine that type of natural remedies, that's more of a left thing, right? That's like, you think hippies, you think like, oh yeah, you know, F big pharma. And now it's like, all of a sudden uh, I see myself on the Trump side, just like, like you, I'm a, a political atheist. I don't, I don't care for either party, but it just happens that I look at, I have a stance on an issue and then I look at, okay, this party happens to agree with me on this issue, and that's okay. They're on my team uh, for this issue. And, uh, but everybody makes it political. But it's hilarious because a lot of people on the left that are so anti-Trump, they don't realize they're going against a lot of things that they were for not too long ago in regards to natural remedies and, and anti-chemicals, anti-GMOs, and all these things that are now, weirdly enough, more on the right than on the left. So it, it is funny how, how things change like that. That's the 4D chess for you. Right. If I can say so something in regards to um, we attended a talk recently with Robert Kennedy Jr. And it was in Marin, which is, you know, I also identified as uh, left and also functional medicine consultant. And someone in the audience asked, what happened to the Democratic Party? And Robert Kennedy Jr. said that around uh, the Reagan era, short, shortly afterward is when the left started up until then they had were taking money for elections only from labor unions and trial lawyers. And then they started taking money from big pharma. And that's when things went uh, downhill as far as lobbyist money. Makes sense. Yeah, and, and they talked about this. I mean, Trump, this is the thing is a lot of times you, you 
you're like, okay, am I getting caught up in this? Like, you know, I'm getting tricked the same way that people who thought Obama was going to change things. Am I getting tricked with the Trump thing? But in some circumstances, you can make the argument that we, everybody says when they like a politician, like this guy's different, but in this actual situation, he is slightly different. He is the only person who actually entertained the idea of vaccine safety and, and, and like kind of a provoking thought in regards to um, talking about there could be some some risks in getting vaccinated too early or too often. Uh, he brought it up during a debate. Uh, I know that, you know, he he, were, he was in talks initially with Robert Kennedy Jr. And I think we talked about this on one, one of the recent podcasts, uh, how Bill Gates, that clip of him saying oh yeah i talked to him and i was he was he was talking to me about his concerns and i'm like oh no you're crazy vaccines are safe and blah 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 um so i mean how many other presidents would kind of i guess even entertain that you know right. also i worked for him I, I don't know if you know guys know that and um briefly what? but i live my parents are down there and they live in palm beach and i'll tell you something the good thing about trump is that he he changes his mind you know, with all these other politicians, they're working for a big conglomerate of people that tell you what to think. Trump likes it better when, you know, he's not told. He wants to, he's constantly on the move. The guy doesn't sleep. He's like a robot, but in a good way, I think. And he processes all the information and he wants to hear from his worst enemies first. You know, he's just, he's a different breed of human. And, uh, you know, I he, he never went out. He plays chess like all day, all night, leaves the table like it's for real. And the truth of the matter is, I think he's just looking for answers because he doesn't want his grandchildren to grow up in, in the world that the uh, UN is, is pushing for. But back to you, Ricky. But all I'm saying is I think Trump actually listens to, he listens, period. Well, look, he first said that that medicine works, right? Hydrochloroquine, and then they crucified him. What I thought, and I think it's, I think it was brilliant, what, because he was never really for flu shots or anything, but his whole stance on this vaccine was almost like when he brought the Navy ship to New York, you know, they, oh, he can't do it. Then it's there and Cuomo doesn't use the freaking thing. So... I think with the vaccines, he actually turns people into like anti-vaxxers because you had Biden saying, I need to see the ingredients of those vaccines. We're not just gonna get vaccinated because Trump says it's available. And I was like, I think that was so brilliant. I don't know, I really do believe he played them um, because he changed the whole stance. Like here, you want the thing, here it is. Because if I say it's gonna work, then you deny all the doctors I know Andrew Cuomo did the executive order saying no one with COVID could get that medication in New York. That's, and not you know, only that, he just said that they're not going to allow his vaccine either. Yeah. So outside of the FDA, he's already said that they're going to test it. He doesn't trust the federal government. The other thing the entire media is downplaying, and it's almost impossible to find, is that Scott Atlas has said on the record now three separate times, yes, it will be, be voluntary. I can yeah. guarantee you the next vaccine after the election will not be voluntary. How can I guarantee that? Cuomo put it up there. As he said it in the same breath, he said, we will be the first COVID-free state. We will be the first fully vaccinated mm. state. We will have 40 doses ready. And when those studies come out, 
they'll be fine. Remember, he's the guy that did ban any alternative treatment and hydroxychloroquine had the worst death rate. I'm jumping state two days from now. It's over. Our state is done. I, I cannot believe this ignorance. You know, that outbreak that supposedly happened in my town, Oneonta, New York. There is one small article out there that you can barely find where now those numbers are in jeopardy and the health pet, uh, department is backpedaling and they were never added to the state count. This is all a mirage at this point. You know, they don't want to talk about herd immunity. Rand Paul owns Fauci, owns his ass in the halls of government, and they make him into the demon. So, you know, with Zach here, I got to ask him, you know, his revelations were huge. You actually had people within Google stand up within the last few years against the drone program they were writing AI for, for the military. What is it going to take? Is it going to take somebody leaking a video of Eric Schmidt strangling a child while Sergey Brin tapes it? Like, what's it going to take for people to wake up that these people are monsters, man? Um, I think they already have. I think that the amount of surveillance is being revealed to the public. They now just automatically assume that anything that they have, that they're being tracked. I mean, that's the number one question that everyone asks me is how is Google tracking me? And the thing is, is that this information is going to continually roll out. I feel like I may be, you know, five years ahead of everyone else and understanding the degree of surveillance. But once people start to understand that the surveillance is everywhere, and I'm talking about, it's not just like Google tracking your location with the GPS satellite on your phone. It's also the cell phone companies are taking your information, uh, triangulating where you are uh, based on your cell reception with nearby towers. Um, even if you hit you know, private on your browser that doesn't stop your ISP from getting the information and then selling it. And who are they selling it to? Well, they're not just selling it to these ad networks. They're also selling it to foreign intelligence organizations, you know, in China, in the UK, in Australia, you know, the five eyes there, there's an open market for this stuff. And all of that stuff is getting sold to these intelligence orgs and they're creating shadow profiles of people. So basically like a Facebook profile that you never even knew existed is being created in all these, you know, umpteen different places around the world. And all the information that they're able to get and match to you is being fused into that shadow social media profile. And to keep this up to date, they have to have real-time information about what you're buying, where you're at, who you're talking to. And the issue that we have right now in America is it's that there's an asymmetry between us and other countries. So we are selling our citizens' data to places like China. Do you think China is selling information back to the United States about information on its citizens? No. So there's an asymmetry. And if you look at the ramifications of this asymmetry, what you're going to realize is that this gives China a military advantage. If they're buying location information on our CIA or NSA agents, they can kill them. They can whack them. Uh, pretty soon, we're going to have uh, more drones out there in the streets. Uh, you can put a gun on this drone, and it can come and it can like find your head, and then like come like point blank range, and then fire that one bullet into your head and splat. That's it. You're dead. That's a kill drone. Do you think that the United States military <laughs> is going to allow? 
this sort of real-time information that will power these kill drones in the United States if they don't have the symmetric ability to do it in these other countries? No. And if they shut off this data export, and I believe that this is going to be the next thing is this user data export to these other countries. Once they shut that user data export down, what's going to happen to the to the money stream that's coming to pay for this data stream? It's also going to dry up. And so Google, Facebook, these big technological behemoths that are selling that that data, that sweet, sweet data to Facebook, I'm sorry, to China, into the UK, into Israel, into Australia, and the whole Vivice, that's going to get shut off. And so is the revenue stream back. And this revenue stream is one of the big things that are powering our social media companies today. And so I believe that these tech companies are headed for a collapse in the future by essentially the weight of their own illegal activities. And so, um, and but before we need to have that happen, we need to start educating the public. And I think there's going to be a push to start telling the people about how creepy this is because it's really engaging content. When you tell people like, this is how Google is watching you, like people just click that like nobody's business. So as soon as the powers that be that run America decide that they want to start a campaign of, of striving fear into people, then you're going to start seeing this happen. And then you know, you're going to know that the policy, the politics are going to be following close behind. Is it the private sector that's selling the information to China then? Is it, is yes. it, a, is it or is that uh, the private sector kind of slash U.S. government? Because it seems like the U.S. government has its tentacles into like all those companies you just named. So it's, I mean, the West has always been kind of susceptible to countries that are more authoritarian and have the ability because I mean it's like the same thing as like Graham and I can't go to China and start buying up land or you know right. buying up resources or starting companies to compete or buying stocks in Chinese companies so that we can you know it just seems like another pillar that eventually they're gonna use our freedom as just um an excuse to why we're weaker than these other countries. I have I mean, to I, interject as a libertarian. The, go ahead. I just am thinking that if you look at all the money we spent on defense over the years, technology that so many of these countries basically get the stuff they use to their advantage from us and our kind of centralized government overspending on stuff that would not have emerged in a free market. And I feel like it's important to always look back and say, okay, what could we stop doing to make things, this scary thing go away rather than they have an advantage because they're like overwhelmingly totalitarian. And I actually do think that, I don't really think that we have that kind of freedom from our government. I think that they're doing an answer to like your original point about the public, is it public or private? I feel like it's, if you look at Google sidewalks, for example, they're looking, I think in Canada, actually, it was supposed to be in Toronto. They're looking for a public private partnership to kind of make a smart city where that kind of what Zach's talking about, that kind of surveillance, that kind of location, stuff like that. It just like emanates from your interaction with the city itself. And I feel like this COVID, the Great Reset, all this stuff may come together to and Trump wants to bring an infrastructure plan in and it could play right into that stuff. So I think it's even a bigger picture than the nation states 
that because I think they're right. using right. It. LA like, too. I think the US right. uses right. the private sector as uh you know an excuse to uh, step all over the constitution and, and the money they yet get the money from it. They There's have a, unlimited yeah. money. They can't fail, or they can just keep buying up competition. Right. I mean, also, what is InQtel? Zach, do you know a lot about InQtel? Why do why do why does our government have a a, a hedge fund buying into a venture capital yeah. fund, like putting money into Google and Facebook? Right. I it's mean, they public, but we're paying for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. They want to pump in money into the into the private sector to create these surveillance platforms. You know, it's DARPA, Incutel, these quasi government entities that um, are funding a lot of this. But I think that to say that the government is still within the hands of the private industry is not entirely correct. I believe that four years ago when Trump won, that it was essentially a new group of people taking over the United States government. And so even though I do think that you could say that Incutel and Facebook were really close to the government in 2015, I believe that that has been broken, that okay. essentially they've been against the government, essentially they've been against Trump and the reason why they were against him is because he's not part of the group that helped build those companies. And let me, so, let me ask Zach. Let me, let me just, yeah. in. I'm just wondering, because you had Peter Thiel as his technology advisor in the very beginning. Right. And, you know, he's a steering member of Bilderberg, obviously has his hands in all these tech companies, uh, in Carbine 911, we could go on. You mentioned DARPA on top of that. I, I mean, what do you think? Do you think they put somebody like Thiel in with Trump to try to coerce him? And that's why Thiel's not around anymore? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, my thoughts on Thiel are that, um, you know, I, I don't think that the elites have a monolithic view. I think that uh, in the high up, you know, circles, there's a lot of disagreement. Mm -hmm. And I think that the rent seeking elites, even though they've been more powerful, they're not necessarily the, uh, they're not generating new value. They, they basically own the system. And so they're like, how do we extract more power from it and give it to ourselves? And then you've got these other people that are within the circles that are truly the, um, you know, have the gift of fire in their intellect. And I think that Peter Thiel's one of them. And he thinks that a lot of this, uh, you know, stuff kind of sucks, but you know, I, I don't think that Peter Thiel's necessarily um, got the best intentions, right? Like he's like I, I interviewed for Palantir, one of his, yep. one of his companies, and they were showing me all of their shadow profile stuff because I was they were looking for developers for that uh, as a Java engineer, and I went, I, I just declined the job on moral grounds because uh, that's a horrible thing. I was like, wait a minute, there's a non-consensual Facebook social media like group that you're working on like that's terrible and you know they said that it was only going to be used for terrorists but i saw through that right away so i don't think that they're that they're necessarily monolithic and i think that essentially what we have is we've got people that are saying hey look let's get the the capitalists um you know another fighting chance because they've they've done a lot of things good for the world and 
um, you know, they're they're going to send us into space in the next decade, you know, and, and privatize that. And and I'm sorry if this doesn't answer your question. What was your question? Oh, no, again? Man, listen, man, I think you, you killed it with the Palantir stuff, by the way. I, I'm so glad you talked about that. I got to get you on my show for two hours. Are you kidding me? Um, you talking about space. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I'm extremely um, interested in NASA and Google's relationship. Um, that's kind of behind the scenes, whether it be the old school D wave machines or whatever they're doing with AI. But don't you see, you know, this idea of space? It's not bringing us to the moon or going to Mars. It's militarizing space. It's putting up the, you talked about DARPA, Starlink's equivalent as well, you know, and, and Starlink's just a part of this as the same, at the same time, Elon Musk is introducing Neuralink. I mean, at the end of the day, these seem to be you know, core proponents of a track trace database society where you get control of human beings, bring in the automation uh, nation, get rid of God, like you said, get rid of the family. And that's it. The transhumanist agenda is here. And when you talk about, you know, especially Google and NASA, I'd love to get your insight. Google and NASA. Yeah, Google and NASA. Um, I thought it was really weird when Barack Obama decided to defund NASA and move everything to SpaceX, a private corporation that, um, you know, is going to take our money to develop stuff and then keep the technology and give it to whoever else wants to buy it. And um, I'm hoping that we'll be able to get NASA back or, you know, it looks like we're, we're going to have a space force that's coming in. Um, but what's really what I really suspect is that we've got some sort of secret space program that's out there. And I believe that it's possible that there are certain types of propulsion systems similar to like the EM, the impossible EM drive. Yep. I know exactly I've, what you're talking about, brother. I've been studying that physics and it's, it's real there. You could take a, a an electron and oscillate it with a electrical wave that is on the one terahertz spectrum. So, you know, it's a trillion oscillations a second and that electron will start to drop mass and go negative. And once you start realizing that there's negative mass, there's like really interesting things you can do with that mass. So if you, if you've got like a particle and you can drop its mass, then you can, you can move it to, you can move it to one side of your ship with more mass and then and then make it do negative mass and then move it back the other side there's going to be a net directional force on that ship and it's like well what could these scientists do with that especially if you can start dropping mass then you can you can drop your inertia and that inertia means that now you can have a spaceship that stops on a dime and moves really quickly in one direction like it can go from you know stop to a you know full 60 miles per hour in like a split second like forget the tesla you know, three and a half seconds. We're talking like nearly instantaneous acceleration. And I, I, I was, I didn't believe in the conspiracy stuff or UFOs until I, I started. I, I literally saw a UFO with my girlfriend in 2002 um, at the University of Oregon when I was walking home. It was like dusk, and I, I looked up and I was like, "God, what kind of star or planet is that?" It was like really bright, and then all of a sudden, it just goes poof, and it just like like arcs, you know, 15 degrees across the sky to the right and then stops on a dime and then like, you know, um, does the same thing except this time, like leaving the atmosphere, just like, like, like a, like a streak of light just disappears. And I, I saw that and I went, what the heck was that? 
And later on, I was like, well, maybe that was a dream. Maybe I had it mistaken. And so I, I texted, um, you know, my girlfriend from back then. And I said, Hey, did we, we really saw that, right? She's like, Oh yeah, we've really, we really saw that. I don't know what it was. And it was really scary. And so, um, I, you know, this is when I started to think about like, well, you know, maybe there's some evidence here for this because if, if these electrogravitic drives exist and there's going to be some sort of like associated information that I can find and, oh my God, there's so many patents, you know, that display this, that talk about this, this negative mass. And they, it goes back to this guy named Maxwell. And, you know, when I, when I review some of these videos on these UFO tech sites, they're like, yeah, Maxwell's equations are all truncated. And if you look at what the full equations are, then you'll actually see that the density of, um, of space itself, the ether density can contract or expand. And then you look at these, these patterns, it turns out that they're all essentially writing a wave of ether density that's uh, increasing behind them based on their manipulation of this electromagnetic field. And so it's like, and then that ties back into the negative mass of the electron that is observed when you use a one terahertz electrical field. And it's just like, oh my God. Okay, so, so there's a space, a container for all of these really advanced electrogravitic drives to exist. And if that's the case, then you know, free energy is also on the table. And so I think what's gonna happen in, in the future is that you know, not only are we getting like a disclosure on a whole bunch of stuff, like you've heard about Epstein. And I, I think that's just the tip of the earth iceberg. I think that what's also possible is that um, there's some sort of um, free energy, electrogravitic, hypersonic space propulsion that has been in use for essentially the last five decades. And that's going to be revealed to the public uh, over the next decade. But do you think that do you think that Trump the same way you mentioned that the, there was a broken connection between Trump's administration and big tech? Do you think that same thing is happening with the the race to disclosure from the deep state? I mean, I really think there's different deep state factions here trying to get ahead of disclosure of real UFOs and technology. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think that Trump's got control of YouTube and and Google, and essentially they're all participating in a constructed dialectic. I think there was a time when Google was really trying to do the coup. I think that the, the, the people that lost the 2016 election thought that they could possibly get Trump out of there and undo the things that he was doing. But mm. I really think that in 2017, that was the end of the whole thing with the uh, Las Vegas massacre that happened. Uh, for those of you that follow it, looks like that was a failed assassination attempt on MBS who was there that week, believe it or not, and had the whole top floor of the Mandalay Bay where the shooting took place rented out, interestingly enough. Um, and so as an insider, I, I follow QAnon. And so I fully expected that in three days, all the QAnon accounts would be wiped off of YouTube. And so every single day I was sitting on there doing a search on Google's internal search engine, you know, being, is this the day that the day that the leftists are going to figure out about this QAnon thing that's happening and they're going to get rid of it day after day after day, I saw nothing until one day I did see something. And it, there was a bug report that got generated and it said, hey, there's this Q account, they're doing fake news, we need to get rid of it. And then it was like, you know, comment, comment, comment as they were implementing that censorship. And then at the like the last like hour before the censorship would have taken place, someone jumped on that wasn't part of the comment thread. And they stated, 
um, there's been a policy decision change and we're going to let this account stay up. Wow. And I went, Wait, who made that decision? And who made, like, came from somewhere. So, um, you know, if, if QAnon was really something that the deep state was against and having like this war at this point, then it would just all be gone. We wouldn't even be able to hear about it. It would, it would the links would not work when you put it in your Facebook Messenger, and no one would report on this. Uh, that's what I think would be happening if it was, you know, if the deep state was really in a fight against Trump. At this point, the only thing that I can see is that Trump is basically holding the puppet strings, or the people that are controlling Trump are holding the puppet strings of both the left and the right right now. And it's, I mean, let's face it: if the left wanted to win, they would have put Bernie Sanders in charge, right? You got Biden, okay, creepy Biden that wrote and authored the prison pipeline with his super predator laws. You've got Kamala Harris who put them away into prison. That's the people that are running on the left. There's no way that the left is really putting up a real fight. In fact, I mean, I'm, I'm going to lose money because I, I put bets in the prediction market that Biden was going to be swapped out. And if Biden isn't going to be swapped out before November 1st, then the whole thing is controlled by the guys that control Trump. We're in a false dialectic and all this stuff is fake. And the predetermined thing is that Trump's going to get the next uh, four years as the next president of the United States. I agree. Well, that's Despite uh, them trying to um, do their corruption with the mail-in voting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all smokescreen, though. I think they, they, I mean, I think the, there's no, well, my opinion anyway is that there, there is no left and right. It's just, you know, a, a giant smokescreen so that in the background, the oligarchs can just fucking do whatever they want. So, well, to create divide and conquer also. Yeah. So they keep us fighting about COVID and mail in this and, and abortion that and, and masks and fucking you name it. But isn't that what's confusing? Because I agree with you 100%. But like we said, there are examples where Trump actually does do things. There has to be. There has to be. Because this is the thing is like coming into Trump, they they were losing everybody. Like, you know, you had you had Obama kind of and nothing really happened, but he was kind of smooth enough and he was black that everyone could just kind of fucking forget about politics for a while. And we can just let these guys run the place. And and I think that was kind of dangerous for them is because like no one was arguing enough and they were kind of losing that. So they needed Trump's kind of the polar opposite of Obama. They need someone to come in there and rile everybody the fuck up. And if he doesn't give us a couple things, then then we're going to start, you know, what they can't have is everyone turn on Trump and they can't have everyone love Trump. So he's never he's he's always going to ride that line of, you know, just keeping everyone pissed off enough that we can't notice what's actually going on in the background. And and to think that they were going to give up this for four more years of this. I mean, they can't have imagined it was going to go this well. Yeah, but you think he went to the World Economic Forum and to UN then and specifically said that he's not going to accept this globalist agenda? Like, U.S. is going to be free, so that's all just theater then? Yeah, I think it's all theater. The first time that 
he didn't go to the World Economic Forum and Scaramucci went instead. He made a speech kind of like, this guy will surprise you. Don't judge him. He's not the enemy you think he is. And wow. look, he's he's right in lockstep with the World Economic Forums from everything from Event 201 to the Great Reset. I mean, it looks like maybe he isn't, but he isn't questioning the basic premise of the COVID thing. I mean, he's not. He's no, just... If Obama was in charge right now, the right would right. be burning down the fucking... Absolutely. Or Hillary. Could you imagine people putting their I mean, guns away for I mean, Hillary? I, it's hard <laughs> to think about because... And that that's just the thing. There's nobody else that could fucking yeah. pull off what Trump just pulled off with the American people and not have a bunch of people with guns out in the streets storming, in my opinion, storming yes. the fucking White House. And the entertainment for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, four years straight, that guy can get out there. And QAnon helps go. that out. That's all extra fodder to keep, you know, the uh, us, the crazies at, at bay because, you know, we're the ones who are going to cause a problem. Yeah, last week I interviewed G. Edward Griffin on my show, and he actually and I asked him right out of the gates about QAnon, and you know, and he likened it to something back in the '70s called the White Dove, where it was always was the White Dove was releasing information and just hold on and sit back and don't do anything because <laughs> the White Dove has got the the intel, and it turns out the White Dove was this trailer trash couple who were just you know had been accused of fraud and all this other stuff, and then eventually were outed. And and to America's point, I mean, it's I was a gigantic Trump fan. I mean, all my activism started. I did ten percent of what the Russians did by myself on Facebook that one of the first videos I came out with said he was going to win in September 2016 and they're going to blame it on the Russians uh you know and so I had that and so this time I, I think is Biden is I think they're going to steal it and obviously it's going to be you know they're going to do everything they because Biden is just a puppet we all know that but with Trump he's able to get stuff through that no one else can get through uh you know to a lot of the other commenters points and it, my big thing I came in through the Ron Paul revolution and, and the Fed I mean the Federal Reserve has now doubled in size we've taken a third Third of all mortgages are now on the Fed's balance sheet. All the uh, corporate bond, not all the corporate bonds, but a lot of the corporate bonds are now on the Fed's balance sheet. Even junk bonds, and they're levered up seven, seven to one. This is a corporate basically bank bailout. And then, you know, and somebody was talking about, you know, whether this is the government doing it or private companies. Well, they're so intermixed right now. You Like uh, the former head of the NSA, Keith Alexander, is now at Amazon. Uh, and, you know, and then they came out with their new connected bike called Echelon. And Echelon is the is a secret code name for the Five Eyes surveillance program where, you know, maybe it's not the U.S. government or NSA spying on us, but we get the data from the U from the U.K. or New Zealand or somebody else. And so I and I really I, I just, you know, bring it back to Q. I think it's it's a side. They were very desperate and a lot of the information is real, but it's there to get people to shut up. So when I was pointing out that guys like Gary Cohen were getting in in early 2016 as as Trump's first economic advisor. And why is this guy? Why is a Hillary Bundler, Goldman Sachs, carbon tax credit guy, chief Trump economic advisor? Why is he in there? I didn't work my ass off to get a guy like him in there. And then why is Jerome Powell in there? Who's, you know, uh, they, them, those in there with all the elite for years and years and years, who was a disciple underneath Janet Yellen. And then he puts puts him in there. And then and I was constantly told, shut up, you know, Trump, trust the plan. I mean, my initials are TTP, trust the plan, and I don't trust his plan. <laughs> and uh, and it's just very disheartening because I was kept telling, you know, shut up. And he's he knows more than you. But, you know, my main thing is the Fed. And I've seen that there's been more debt taken on through the Fed in the past uh, six months than the past, you know, 100 years. And so for me, I, this is I not think a they they might actually wind down the Fed 
and just replace it with this new digi dollars regime. So it'll look like you could say Trump ends the Fed. Like I'm with you 100. And then that's going to be even saying. that's going to be even worse because then no, I know that's what yeah. I'm saying. And they'll still say, oh, he did it. That's what you wanted. Isn't that good enough for you? And you forgot Wilbur Ross, who was the Rothschild guy. Yeah, he's the, in his administration. The, the very too. first, the very first Maxine Waters $1,200 bank or you know stimulus program was actually, if you read the bill, was actually meant to be a digital dollar through the Federal Reserve now account. You also had Coin, uh, the former Coinbase. I think it was either CTO or one, I mean, one of the top Coinbase, which is the largest U.S. cryptocurrency exchange, is now the head of the Office of Comp Controller Currency. Went in place April 1st of this past year, and so I mean they're, they're getting all the pieces in place, and they're just they're eventually going to make it uh, where you can't you know travel unless you get the vaccine because it's going to be tied through social Not credit and social engineering. And I also moved out of New York, so I guess I, we can join the uh, Union of the Former New Yorkers uh, panel over here, but. But as they drive people into take all their retirement money away with the volatility in the market, take their destroy businesses, take their jobs away, those digi dollars aren't just going to be so that you can get on a plane. They're going to be so you can get on the food line. And when you're going to need the, to be a have citizen in good standing. And when they have negative interest rates, they can siphon the money directly out from your bank account. So instead of having a bank, yes. a bank bail-in, which if you go back to 2014, the former vice chairman of the Fed, Stanley Fisher, who is an Israeli citizen, former Bank of Israel chairman, uh, just pointing that out, that he uh, said that where he in, like, in one of the speeches in Stockholm, Sweden, was talking about having bail-ins, which is where they give you a haircut. But I think what they've realized is that just taking your money is too brazen. That they'd, what they'd rather do is just you know inflate it away through inflation. But to uh, you know to a lot of people's points here, how we're able to pay for this is we are currently the world reserve currency, and that is probably not going to last forever. It's definitely not going to last forever. And it's probably not even going to last another, you know, 15, 20 years at this rate. And we're just, you know, getting the noose tighter around our necks. And, uh, you know, it, but I am hopeful that we'll have, you know, some sort of decentralized, you know, cryptocurrency based, you know, platforms and, and other ways, just, you know, whether or not it's all too little, too late. And then how, you know, will we manage the search functions around that? And if we're only, you know, talking to our own echo chamber, uh, is it is it even going to work? But, you know, I am hopeful, you know, in, in the end, because eventually it's going to create censorship resistant media. But in the interim, you know, I think that the, the main battle here is whether or not we take this Federal Reserve dollar, uh, because once they get us on that system, it's it's game over uh, at that point for everyone that's sucked into that. And they're probably going to say, hey, if you exchange your your dollars into this Federal Reserve dollar, then we're now what we're going to do is, you know, give you an extra couple percent and they're going to make the deal really good. And then eventually, like a frog boiling, they're going to completely cut people off. And, uh, you know, hey, you know, and we've all been talking with each other. So I'm sure we're all going to be on the contact tracing list of, hey, yes. you spoke to any one of these uh, thought criminals. So you're banned. And the IMF said there would be an exchange rate with cash for the digidollar, an exchange rate with cash so that. Well, that's all part of the special. Right. That's all part of the special drawing right, which actually the day before they uh, Facebook Libra was almost I was almost identical to what the special drawing right is. Uh, but and I, I guess we probably should get back to you know our guest here with you know on, on Google. And is Google working on anything in, in regards to digital dollar or trying to? I mean, obviously they're trying to create like this you know big surveillance grid that I'm sure will be tied into all this. Oh. But you know, but do you know of anything Google is specifically doing in terms of digital dollar? I mean, not Google, but like there seems to be a trend that all these different companies like Facebook is doing its Libra. Uh, currency, you know, and then there's other currencies like Ripple, which is backed by the U.S. dollar, and it actually like took off. It's it's like huge now. Um, I should have bought some. 
So right? R- Ripple's not backed by the dollar. Something like Tether is backed by the dollar. So Tether, R- Ripple, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. That, that's something else. And, that, and there's some Goldman Sachs people either behind that one or the uh, Circle Coin. Uh, but yeah, so one of my Ernest Hancock's been calling it for years the FederalReserve.gov coin, and uh, something he's been warning about for four years. And, and we're at that point where you know they weren't fully ready to roll this out in June and July, but you know the next you know, $2,000 payment that you get, you know, it's probably going to be through some sort of digital dollar and you're going to, and people are going to be so poor that they're going to take this. And actually the Brookings Institute was talking about, Hey, how are we going to incentivize people to get the vaccine? And, and what their solution was is, Hey, we'll give everybody, I think it was like a thousand bucks, but you, but out of the gates, we're, we're only going to give you 200, no pun intended with gates. Uh, and, but to get your other 800, what you'll have to do is once we get 80% of the U S population having the vaccine, then we'll give the rest of your money. So then that way it's going to gamify it and and cause all these Karens to you know out their neighbors and stuff Karens I mean so you know obviously there's going to be rationing going forward the the question is how much stuff is there going to be to go around and the the problem is is that we don't have any good way of imagining something that we've never experienced before and I, I, I want to pick up the mood just a little bit because our, our entire society is based off a scarcity model and the oligarchs that rule today have all got rich by how they can manage that scarcity profile and allocate goods to their citizens. And then those entire civilizations go to battle against other civilizations. And then basically the winner at the top is who is able to manage this complex um, scarcity chain. And the thing about going forward with robots and all this other stuff is like, what is it that we really need to survive? Uh, we need um, we need a place to dwell. We need the ability to attain status. If you're, this is very important, especially if you're a male. Um, and we need to have um, be able to spend time with our peers, our family, um, and have a family. And so the thing is, is that. Do we need to have, you know, an economy that's allocated mostly to the consumption of its citizens in order to, to have a society? And in the past, it was the, the answer was yes. You know, basically like 90% of the economy was based around servicing the people, you know, they were growing their own food is basically the majority of it. And then 10% of it was being used to build an army that you would then go and destroy other people with. Um, well, in the future, it's going to be like 95% of the economy is going to be used towards the manufacture of war and technology and whatever we need to, to navigate the, you know, the skies with. And then the people are going to be given digital goods, you know, a, a fine house to live in and dwell. And that's not going to necessarily take a lot of manufacturing inputs. Like how much does it take to 3D print a house that lasts for the next hundred years? Like almost nothing, right? And so I don't necessarily think that an economy where we're rationed out with all the goods and services that we need, will not, you know, and most of the economy is not allocated to the people, it's allocated to something. That might actually be a paradise. And what we have to understand, and what we need to say is like, well, maybe it's not the rationing is bad. What we really have to worry about is these surveillance death bots that might decide that instead of, you know, these oligarchs wanting 95% of the economy, they say, why don't I just take the whole effing thing? And so what we really need to, you know, I think as a people need to do and come together is say, you know, um, 
who's in control of this thing and what are their plans and can we create an abundant society that is able to live in harmony with the planet and is able to channel the people's destructive uh, tendencies and retool it so that we can live in, in harmony and, and not harm one another? Well, I think these are important questions because you think about it, right? Technology at some point, you know, it was constantly humans are constantly looking for the path of least resistance. We're going, we constantly try to find easier ways of doing things, faster ways, more productive ways of doing things. But a lot of this for, was of the purpose of having more free time, right? Like if you uh, made a weapon, once you learn how to make a bow and arrow, you didn't have to spend so much time hunting, gathering, you, you right. know, once you know, uh, once you learn maybe alternative ways of heating yourself, maybe you don't have to spend all day, you know, gathering wood or whatnot. Um, so technology was always supposed to give us more free time, more time to enjoy life, experience life, be with your friends and family, leisure, time to think. And, you know, and, and you see it throughout uh, our primitive ancestors as they had more free time to think and ponder. That's when philosophy sparked and, and all these other things, you know, because you had time to really ponder on things. And, it's like if if we kept going in that direction and if technology was always good, then we should be at the point now where we should have tons of free time and we should just barely be, you know, doing anything we don't need, to, you know, that we don't like to do because we have robots and technology to do those things for us. I mean, I think it, when I was talking to uh, Douglas Ruskoff, who's a um, uh, author and he's been on my show a bunch of times, he was saying how in the near future we would have enough robots and technology where people could like work a month out of the year and we had enough robots to take care of everything else or um you know or like what well, christopher or 12 minutes a week like hey yeah. i gotta go into work to like hit the factory button for 12 <laughs> minutes uh you know for every tuesday and so then what, that's the not of work the technology is not there is something else going on because tech we're being used we're being used and what technology isn't being uh I guess developed to make our lives better and easier, and and it's it's actually a weapon against us in many cases. And you're seeing Being a used lot to of enslave us. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know, like so, Christopher Ryan, who actually hopefully will be on one of these in, in the near future. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his, and he's been on my show uh, in the past. And he has this new book called Civilized to Death, and it really kind of sparks this conversation of like, okay, what's progress, right? This is one of the things I talked to him about, and uh, I'm a a huge fan of like this just this idea like we keep thinking like oh we're evolving we're evolving we have better material things we have more of this more of that you know but yet we're more unhappy we're on we're, we're self-medicating with uh more pills and alcohol and less time with our friends and family we're less we're doing things that are less fulfilling so it's like well we have to ask what the fuck is progress right we maybe we should take a step back and i think that's why you look at the uh, grime america guys they talk about this um you know that they're, they're spending more time in nature spending more time you know uh just doing things that are more peaceful um and I think people are going that way because we're seeing how much it's necessary. Like the further we get away from that thing, from those things that actually make us happy, the things that are actually important, the more we realize like, holy shit, like we like those things are actually what made me happy. You know, all this super stimulating uh, social media. And, and I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I struggled to watch a documentary these days, which I did a lot of my research and learning from documentaries back in the day because two seconds in i'm like oh uh, you know let me look at my phone oh. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah it's in i, I don't want to admit that i do that because i want to you know i want to the only one ricky 
you know, so it's, it's just, so we have to think like, and I remember uh, Dr. Christopher Ryan saying this, he's like, when you look at the winners, right? So if the winners are, you know, in, in our economy or in our civilization, our society, we've decided that the, a lot of times we put, when we look at winners, in this world, we think financial gain, right? So, but if those guys who have the most financial wealth and material things, you know, we look at them like, oh my God, they're succeeding. They're the winners. If they're the most depressed, unhappy, miserable fucking people with kids who are on drugs or, you know, suicidal because, you know, they're too, they're, their parents are too busy, um, I guess, pursuing a career instead of parenting, you know, focus on some job that gives them material wealth instead of the most important job, which is nurturing your kids and being a parent. Um, then if they're unhappy, then who the fuck's the winners? Like this whole game is ridiculous and we have to rethink this whole thing. So these bigger questions like Zach is bringing up, I think is super important. Anybody want to add to, you know, whatever. It just reminds me of my days on the trading floor at Goldman Sachs. I worked for Mike Matera and the guy died of brain aneurysm. I mean, he was, he had his own helicopter. He would fly in from Stanford, Connecticut. You know, he was so powerful and he was so miserable the poor man and you know like even there's so many people that i see that are coming in at younger and younger ages and they have anxiety and they they have like from families that have such financial wealth and they're so poor inside and you know like and then i see even in my own neighborhood when parents are walking their two-year-old and the mom is flipping through her phone i'm like Put the phone down and be with your kid. They're not going to be two forever. But like getting out in nature, we take a walk every night with my sons and we just go without our phones because you know what? That's the way it used to be. Sadly, um, I I get that. I I actually worked at E, uh, sadly enough, uh, over um, during, I worked at Chelsea lately and then we, uh, you know, spawned off Kardashians. And I saw it happening. I mean, I mean, you know, the whole, you know, focus on the money, focus on the wealth, focus on everything that doesn't matter, you know, berate anyone who's, you know, struggling. I watched it at E. I watched seriously people that were um, promoting the worst, the worst of the worst in life. And I, I, by the time I left there, I was, I was, I, I felt so every day I would watch the whole day cause it's on, on every corner, you know, it's constantly on when you work there and you're just thinking, what are they doing? What are they doing? And I left there in, uh, about 20, 2011 and it's only gotten worse. Like these real housewives, you know, you, somebody was saying, what is the, um, what's progressive? Well, I heard today that a rapper on the front of a Vogue that sings about, you know, just disgusting stuff with, you know, the worst case scenario in life is progress, you know? And I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, that's what they've been selling is that everything that doesn't matter, everything that doesn't is, is glamorous, everything you know, it's a whole, it's an upside down dynamic. And I look back at like all the years that I worked out there and I think, oh my God, you know, I thought, you know, as, as I saw it happening, you know, the, the whole, um, first like the, the Kardashians, then the spinoffs, then the spinoffs. But then I also go back to when I was in college and, you know, all the gangster rap and, 
and all of that. And, and I look back and I think like, of course we're here. I mean, if they didn't get them in Common Core or, you know, when they changed all the education, and they were getting us in pop culture. And, you know, it, it's not a surprise that now, you know, people shoot people for, uh, you know, a pair of sneakers. Uh, and, and you know, people think that, you know, having money, and because we've been told that, and all everything that they've glorified in the um, culture that is, you know, taken over, I believe, on purpose, is everything that doesn't matter. And, you know, now we're seeing these people, like you see Joe Biden, he's being interviewed by Cardi B, and then he's being interviewed by a kid that's arrested at ne from Netflix for being a pedophile. And, you know, and it's like, it, it's just embarrassing at this point. Like, I like I like my family, you know? I like, I, I'm like at a point where I haven't even turned on the TV in weeks. I, I, I can't, I, it's just, it's so disturbing and, and, I, I just, I feel like we played a part, but I wasn't really paying attention. You know, I was just doing my job, but that's- What's the key there is, is Mel, is, is self-awareness. Do we teach that? Do we teach self-awareness to be able to come to that realization? No, they're but their issue is they're, they're scared of self-awareness. The issue is if you are self-aware and you look inside and you take personal responsibility, then you're never gonna follow their path. These people that are, are marching and, you know, they're the brown shirts of uh, the old days of, of every revolution where it was, um, you know, basically Marxist is there's no God. The God is the movement and the movement uh, is is about getting away from God, family, religion, everything. And they don't lie about it. I mean, the U.N. is actually, you know, at the end of the day, it's run by the loosest trust. It's a real story. It's, it's not a joke. And, and people have to start realizing that um, entertainment has been um, telling us for way too long that, uh, you know, everything that's, that is important has to do with buying cars and shoes and phones. And, and that's why these, you know, they raised a generation of warriors that care nothing about humanity and life and, and family. And, and, you know, I think there's a big turn going on, but I do look back at my years at E and I think, Oh my God, I'm, I was a part of this. I really was. I, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention because I was working 16 hours a day. But now looking at it, I'm very, I'm very embarrassed that I ever had anything to do with promoting a culture that has no, that's basically a bunch of sociopaths. You know, I want mine and uh, I'm going to get it no matter what. And then I'm going to drive around in my car and I'm going to look like I have money. And then that somehow makes, equals happiness and it's the opposite well i think the movie that said it the best was actually a bug's life when it when you know the big bug said you know it's not about the food it's about control we need to keep these right. ants in line because we're the ants that are in line and when you take a look at you know hey how come we're not working 12 hours a month or a week or it's because you know we're you know viewed as useless eaters and you get guys like Zbigniew brzezinski who said something to the effect of you know it used to be far easier to control a million people than to kill a million people and today it's infinitely easier to kill a million people than it is to control a million people and so they're telling i mean and the government can't even get their bioweapons straight because they you know release the you know the COVID-19 that only kills you know like 0. 0.00 whatever percent of people and so you know the game plan is to get rid of a lot of people and that's why they're not telling people you know what you should do to get on the offense and what you did, should do to boost your immune system and oh they're just they're just now telling you that vitamin D is something that you know that that could be good to uh you know to implement into your system but yeah it's all about you know getting control because you know it, you know like the Georgia Guidestones and everything I mean they want to get us down to 
I mean, even Bill Gates, you know, in that TED talk from a few years ago said, if we do a really good job on the on the vaccines, the healthcare system and the food, then we can, I forgot what the exact quote was, but we can reduce, you know, the population by X number of percent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, but and, and then at the same time, we we. Uh, I'm in the middle of Manhattan and I'm around the corner from where I believe is like the hub of this, which is the UN. And I have to say um, everything that they're saying, like about this agenda 2030 and, and, you know, then it's like, oh, how could you, it's all in flowery language, but the end of the day, why is some man who thinks that the population is 15% too many humans on the planet, uh, the one giving out vaccines? I, you know, there's there's a real cognitive dissonance in believing that Bill Gates is trying to save people. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of ending the UN and also all of their uh, subsidiaries, because if you look back and you do the research, their whole goal was no different than their goal when they started World War II. It's the same players. It's the same players. And uh, it's their, it's their, you know, their offspring and their, their bloodlines. And, and it, you know, people say, it's impossible. Well, no, it's not. And, and, you know, we're at a point where we've been fed a total like diet of, of self-destruction for now almost 20 years. And we're seeing the kid, like, look at everyone that's arrested. Like, look at us. Okay. There's everyone on the screen. And then look at that, the um, arrest photos of all the people from Antifa. There's a real difference. Something yeah. happened. Like something is going on. They are, they are more like soldiers of a cause. They're, they're, they're gone. They're pod people. They're they're yeah. vacated. Right. Well, I mean, there's a lot of talk about you know something like you know uh, you know agenda 2020 and agenda 2030. But you know the, one of the real things is you know I think it's like 2045. It's 2045.com where essentially the elite think that by 2045 we're going to create these these avatars of ourselves where we're just going to be sitting in some you know liquid solution and there's going to be an avatar that lives forever. But the thing is that's not going to be available to everybody, and so you need to kill off the people that can't afford it and just keep enough people around to kind of maintain the basic right. systems. But it's all about all the trans rights are all about transhumanism not you know you know some you know guy you know trying to set a record for you know girls uh you know swimming or running or something but hey truthzilla you guys want to jump in and then also dude. let's hear from tim james before uh <laughs> yeah tim go for it dude well there's a lot to talk about here you know one thing that um you guys were talking about earlier was um money you know and money being it was the theme was kind of the root of all evil i went through that it was like a focused on money, money, money. I went through um, a detox physically and that opened up the spiritual channels to me. And then I didn't want money at all. I just wanted to live in a desert. And then I watched my resources go down. And then it's like, it is a valid form of abundance. So I just want the people listening to understand that money is not evil. It's who's handling it. Okay. It is a valid form of abundance in this time period in, in our human history, but it's only one form of abundance. And when we, when we make money the only form of abundance, we're actually locking and closing all of the other doors in which abundance can come to you, be it money or somebody gifting you something or somebody synchronistically coming into your life at the right place at the right time to make your life work. You know, you have your career and you have spirituality and you have relationships and you have your health. These are all other forms of abundance. And I, so I just wanted to get that clear because if you're, it's, I just don't want people to think that like well, money's a bad thing. It's just who's behind it. So I wanted to comment on that. That's, For sure, that's man. definite. And you know what? Sometimes you don't, if you're really smart, 
with your money. And I don't think anyone teaches, they should teach this to the kids and even the parents for that matter. If you're really smart with your money, you'll know what, how to live very comfortably. Um, you just have to know how to save and spend and invest properly, but no one ever teaches. You could graduate with a finance degree and not know what the H you're doing with your finances. So. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully with this whole thing with COVID, it's just a big wake up call for people to get off their ass and learn how to boost their immune system because COVID-19 is probably not going to be the last one to be released. I'm sure COVID-20 and 21 and 23 is already done. So it's, it's, it's probably going to get worse as far as the stuff they're going to throw at you. So the question is, is how strong your, is your immune system and what are you going to do about it right now to boost that immune system? And it gets, it's all about getting back to nature guys. That's what it's always been about. Like the more we're disconnected from nature, the ecosystem, your immune system is not going to work as well. When you remove yeah. your body from the contact of the earth, you're losing that life force, that connective energy of grounding. There's movies on it, the, the movie Grounded and the Earthing yeah. movie. People should check that out. You'll be blown away. It's just as important as air and water. And nobody's talking about this kind of stuff. You need to be grounded. I'm grounded right now. I'm touching yeah. a grounding wire that goes out. I sleep on things that ground me. Yeah. It reduces inflammation in the body and boosts the immune system. Absolutely. I mean, I could say since coming back, I spent six months in the jungle and I feel like I kind of like stored some juju to be able to come back into the city but i mean that's that's what my messaging was for the past we are disconnected from from nature and to wake up and like was not missing any food had organic food have fresh water um grounding every single day seeing insects i've never seen before i mean that is where it's at um, yeah sure. you were boosting your immune system because you were outside you were bringing all these natural bacteria they call them probiotics um, they sell them yeah. in bottles but that are naturally inherent in the soil and your human gut biome which is one of the one of parts of the immune system it's the gut biome not just the innate and the adaptive part of the immune system which is what fauci's model is that hundred year old system it also yeah. talks about the gut bacteria the brain and the interferon system that says that we yeah. our body desires and wants viruses and bacteria so that it can create antibodies for a lifetime and make us a thousand times stronger every time yeah. we come into we have contact more bacteria than human cells mm -hmm. and, uh, that's where it's at and we have a virome fauci <laughs> at the same time uh I was just going to say, you know, you know, here, here on the West coast, I mean, they've burned up half of our coast here. So the, the nature is getting destroyed. And I, I kind of feel like that's the agenda is to, to, to move us all into these smart cities. Like we've been talking, I, I mean, human around, settlement zones, yeah, yeah. Human settlement zones. You know, I think, uh, I, I would love to be in nature, but there's not much to go see right now, you know? Um, where are also you? Just, uh, we're, we're in Oregon. Yep. Just, just on the vaccine thing, though, that you brought up there, too, I just wanted to touch base that, uh, you know, it, we should be waking up and taking care of our bodies. But I just had a conversation with someone yesterday that they just went and got their flu shots and they've just been doubling down on this flu shots because of COVID. People are buying right into this. But and, I, and I just pointed it out makes to them, you 36 times more vulnerable for them. that's exactly what I said to them. It, it, to, to be fair, it was my parents. I just said my parents. I said, <laughs> what are you guys doing? You know, I mean, I, I said the 36 percent. I I sent them uh, a link to an article that, that showed it, you know, but to them, when, when you're they're only getting the other side of this thing, you know, we're we're kind of a small group um, in well, some ways. I feel like we're 
you know, I just listened to Dean's podcast and I got a little bit depressed, like thinking, you know, we're, we're kind of talking to ourselves and, uh, you know, I, I worry that, uh, I worry that their side has, there, there are so many people that are buying into this agenda that, you know, um, I think the opposite is actually happening. Yeah. I just read an article today that one in three parents are not giving their kids the flu vaccine. Even Fauci said it the other day that we're losing as he was telling, you know, in a cartoon to kids that he's going to get vaccinated, that we are the silenced majority. And at one point, I mean, I feel that a large part of us are trying every single day. And like Amazing Polly said, you know, if you're not aligned, go back to the soil. I mean, we're, we're, we're trying. And if people actually are and hopefully these global elitists and the vaccine deep state will be happy with the thousands and thousands and thousands of people like maybe it'll be a, a sacrificial lamb, all these people that are going to go to get injected. I'm glad you brought that up. I've been struggling with that myself, too, is I feel like I feel helpless, even though we have somewhat of a voice. And I know a lot of people might be just walking around in masks where it's not even mandated in our little town, maybe because of the pressure and they maybe they don't buy into it all, but it sure feels like people are buying into it. And I, you know, when you hear of loved ones, like your parents or my sister's friends or somebody that they're just, they're just so stuck in that paradigm. It's really, it's really depressing. I feel like I see these young people walking around outdoors with masks on when yeah. it's not even so there's no excuse in this little town. And I feel like crying for these people. I mean, it's just, it's just, so I, I don't know how to, ha I, I was going to ask you guys and I don't want to switch topics here too much, but you know, how to handle that helpless feeling of, of just having a bit of a voice, but not knowing how to, how to, uh, I mean, I don't know. We always talk about waking people up or whatever, but, or just how to deal with it myself, like in my, you know, for my personal things you know i try and like look at it as almost like a game or look at the positives like you guys are usually pretty positive there's there's a lot of people waking up too but it's hard not to just think that oh my god there's all these people that are just they won't you that you can tell them the stuff they'll even listen to you but they won't they don't want to change their mind they're already decided that they're not going to change their mind it doesn't matter what you say or what facts you give them they're not going to change their mind well everybody Sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say, it's just like James Corbett says, it's like you can't wake somebody up who's pretending to be asleep, man. Like, but, hold on, but James Corbett's last video was welcoming new people in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, yeah. I, I, and I watched the whole thing, and I'm no newbie. You know, I watched all 40 men. One, I think number four, he was talking about if you've actually gotten this far, you know, you have that rare whatever. But, you know, I have four monitors in front of me right now. I'm usually doing busy work or thumbnails for my videos, and those things are easy to be in the background. I'll say this. I'm fucking pissed. <laughs> I go to bed mad. I fucking wake up mad. I barely sleep. This yeah. fucking week has been tough on me. I'm not, this whole six months, I knew it was going to be. You go back to my videos in March and saying nobody's really prepared for what this is going to be. Right. And I've been rattling shit off that nobody wants to listen to for 15 years. <laughs> and for 15 plus years, the same lies come back at me again and again and again and again. And all I can say is, you can reach some of the people, some of the time, and you gotta find those like-minded individuals like this. You know, I love this union of, of the Adwana. I think it's great. It's a great thing. I think Ricky did a great thing by bringing us all together, bringing new people all the time. But one of the reasons I'm going to Iowa is because I think I got a better shot there of building a community that's gonna say no to a mandatory vaccine. I already know New York is doomed. I was already at the protests in front of the Capitol in, Qu in Cuomo, the Times Union in Albany barely covered it. 
Forget about the fucking national media guys. You know what I mean? And that's the thing, you know, to go back to Zach with this fact checking on, uh, on Facebook in particular, you know, I, I recently had Esquire write a hit piece on loose change. They put it out there and they parroted the same talking point about Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Right. And that's popular mechanics, James Meggs. It's a one and a half mile debris field. It's not eight miles. So I had the opportunity to have the guy on and they parroted it. And I said, look, I posted the article. There's no fact check, man. It's an eight mile debris field. And then I showed him the crash site in New Baltimore. I showed him the reports of it happening in New Baltimore. I showed him the woman outside of a church that had the debris on her table. And I go, this is the one thing about 9-11 you put in here. It's obviously fucking wrong. Hearst Publication says it's all right. They said it was all right 15 years ago. Popular Mechanics says it's all right. Esquire says it's all right today. And Facebook says it's all right today. So, you know, you got to point these hypocrisies out to those that will actually listen because overall they're not accountable. I mean, what do we do, Zach? Do we, is it lawsuits? Is it common sense? Because how many times have they promoted people that have promoted lies like weapons of mass destruction, gas attacks in Duma in Syria? It goes on and on and on. Are lawsuits the only answer? Um, well, why are they lying so much? Why are they doubling down? Why is the news getting so fake? And part of the reason why it's getting that is because people are getting more resistant to it. In the same way that a diabetic is prescribed insulin to overcome the resistance to insulin, the doctor is prescribing more propaganda and fake news to combat the fact that people are becoming resistant to propaganda. And so, you know, um, how far can they go? And um, at this point, it seems that it's got an expiration date because the people can only take so much before they say, okay, well, everything's fake and they're going to distrust everything in the news. And we're basically having the breakdown of society because people no longer believe in this, in the institutions, in the government, in, in all this, and they don't like the censorship. And so, you know, what is the core of it that we need to change? Well, the judicial stuff, the political stuff, those things are all good, but really those are all downstream from culture. And what I've been trying to do is that regardless, you know, politics can fail and so can justice. It happens all the time. But what I knew that I could win was to alter the narrative and the culture itself and therefore ho hoping that that would be the generative force to change everything downstream. And so essentially the answer is we need to change the culture. We, and we do it by doing what we're doing right now, which is to talk about all these things that are coming down the pipeline uh, because this, the legacy fake news media isn't going to do it for us. I, I mean, I, I think um, as far as what, what we can do also, I mean, I'm thinking to go door to door before we're locked in um, or like when I, I mean, I'm in San Francisco and I, I'm boggled you're outside. Why are you wearing a fucking face diaper? You're outside. So I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. I think there's people that will open up or you secretly like you're like, 
you, you know, this is like exaggerated, right? And then they're just, you know, they're doing it for the other person or they're doing it because they don't want to be shamed um, or because they're not going to, they don't want to lose your job. And, and I do think there's few that are willing to be dissidents um, that are willing to get arrested um, rather than toe the line. So, so it is maddening and it's depressing. Um, but I do think, like Zach said, there's a reason why they're amping up their propaganda. It's because they're realizing that people are waking up. And I think more than as far as the vaccine issue, more than ever, maybe because also Orange Man has plugged it, that people are like, oh, it must be must be bad. So, I mean, in the end, everyone has free will, whether they realize it or not. Right. And why are they allowed to say Orange Man? I'm from Syracuse, New York, and they had to change the team name from the Orange Man to the Orange because Orange Man was, you know, racist to the Native <laughs> Americans. So, you know, I'm wondering why, like, why is it now? Why are they now allowed to use that? And then uh, J- uh, Jason just brought up uh, debunking 9/11 myths. Uh, and I went, I just, I, I couldn't remember. I knew like one of the guys who authored it was something Chertoff, Benjamin Chertoff. And I, is there any relation between him and Michael Chertoff? Because now, if you duck, duck, go it, they've actually removed the name Chertoff from the author. Authors on, uh, I'm just seeing this right now in live time that they've, you could find it on the site, but on the sidebar, it, it took off Chertoff's name on there. Yeah, for those that don't know, Benjamin Chertoff, who actually led the initial investigation before they wrote a book on it and they put it out there. And this is when, you know, this is pre loose change. I remember going to get the popular mechanics article thinking maybe, maybe some truth was going to be said. He was cousins with Michael Chertoff, <laughs> who's the dual Israeli citizen, the first head of Homeland Security. And when they were asked about it, you know, it was hush hush. Someone called uh, Benjamin's mother and got her on the phone. She said, oh, yeah, they're cousins. Of course they know each other. And wasn't he on the board of all the body scanner that one of the body scanner companies as well? Of course he was. Post Homeland Security, he was one of the biggest proponents of those body scanners. And I remember now, isn't he doing the Atlantic Council? I mean, the um, Transition Integrity Project and and all these like preemptive uh you know uh planning for if trump wins what they're gonna do isn't he doing these treasonous war games right now you know i mean that guy he, they don't hide it they, they don't care they don't it's all the same people it's always all the same people and you know we are talking about both the um medical industrial complex the military industrial complex they're all the same people and, and then they all connect to the uh, World Economic Forum and the IMF and then the Davos and I mean like Jason's broken it a million times but this Chertoff guy right now is planning a coup against Trump when he wins openly this this integrity transition project uh, is really just um, you know letting everyone know that Trump will not win no matter what and we the people have no say that's what it looks like to me Charlie, can you yeah. speak about that Zach because you've looked at the integrity project a lot sorry doctor i mean yeah the that transition integrity project is absolutely nuts are, are you all familiar with this yes i, I think that's right we all know like the podesta war gaming for, for as people. uh as biden right that's what God, we're talking so about. like yeah, pa- page 17 simulations yeah. page 17 is the simulation part where they say that there's a clear trump win but biden wins the national vote right which civil war yeah well they they don't give up they're like they don't concede because biden won the popular vote but didn't win the electoral college so they keep on pushing it 
And that's what they actually talk about is how they keep on pushing it and how they're not really bound by legal maneuvers, that this is more of a political fight. So all options are on the table and that Biden is able to convince California to break away from the United States. And then they use that as a negotiating position to force Trump to agree to abolish the Electoral College, break up California into five different states, thereby increasing the senatorial representation in the Senate from two to 10, make Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. also a state that will give another two, uh, no, another four senators to the Senate. And so they basically destroy the Electoral College in order to uh, have Biden concede. And the problem is that we, the people, don't figure into their war games. We, the people, don't matter. They're non-government organizations and think tanks, and they're all working with the elite, the Davos crew, the, all these same people. But we, the people of the United States, do not figure into their game. Oh, no. I mean, not even the law figures into the game. They're saying that this is a fully political, not necessarily something that's constrained by law or precedent. So, um, you know, this is what's coming. And I would have said, oh, that's ridiculous. But then this follows the same model that we saw in event 201. That was the war games in October of 2019, where they were talking about the whole COVID-19 outbreak. And people are like, what the heck is going on with this? I dismissed it. I thought it was funny. Then um, it turns out that, yeah, there's this huge outbreak that just happened. So I'm now inclined to believe that it's going to be probably the worst catastrophe of any electoral system that we've ever had. And I've seen other documents to suggest that this is by design, that what they want to do is they want to demoralize us so that we hate the electoral system and that we want to destroy it because it's unable to function properly. So I have a question. So if we're under the belief that it's all political theater and in reality, there is no choice other than unless you want to just bring in full on communism, then how does this integrity project factor in if it's all BS anyway? I mean, I don't know it, whether it's I mean, there's there's two possibilities. One is that it's BS, you know, and it's just a bunch of idiot people that that are thinking that they can just go ahead and do this out in the open. I mean, it's, it's the left is really that brainwashed. It's amazing how brainwashed they are that they'll do openly seditious and treasonous things and, and not even, even conceive that it's wrong or against the constitution. They believe that they're on the right side of history could just be that. Um, or, you know, like I said, if the oligarchs truly control both sides, then um, this could be a, an effective document that acts as a predictive programming mechanism to um, tell the population, hey, this is what's coming and this is how it's gonna unfold and uh, be very fearful and um, you know, cause as much disorder and conflict. Because I know that families right now, fa family, friends, everywhere across America is just, is just bifurcated. You're either susceptible to this mind control propaganda or you're not mm -hmm. and it's it's not about liberalism it's not about conservatism it's just are you susceptible to weaponized military propaganda or, or or do you see that that's what's going on and so at this point 
um, people on the left just they, they can't wait for Trump to get out. They think that it's inevitable that we all think that he's a distasteful individual who's going to who's about to be kicked out of office. And then there's like the people on the right that are like, you know, Trump's about to get a real mandate as he's going to sweep across most of the states of America. And we're both telling each other mirror images of the same story. And um, and what I was hoping is that there would be a clear win of, you know, Trump winning. But honestly, if Biden wins, he could undo all of the sealed indictments, all the things that we've been telling ourselves on the right that's going to happen to clean up, clean up the whole cabal. Like that could just be completely halted and reversed. And it will have half of America thinking that that's the best thing ever that's about to happen. Or we can just get the total annihilation of our belief that an election can work um, as the whole thing is torn down because that's what the oligarchs want because they actually want us to go back to some sort of feudal-like system where the royal bloodliners control everything and we're just essentially subjects contributing our labor to their machine only this time we're just going to be useless eaters charlie you, do you want to get in on this i missed your voice i haven't heard you in a while <laughs> i've just been enjoying listening to everything well i had a i went on whitney webb show uh, a couple weeks ago and we had a long talk about the simulations that were scheduled or that are being simulated right now for the elections and she talked about some very specific things. So, you know, how we, we could go back and look at 9-11 and the drills being run before that and the simulations, dark winter and all that stuff. It, but we're always doing that in, in hindsight. We're look, going back. But in this particular case, we know of some simulations that are being role played right now. So we'll just talk about them in advance. And if any of these three very specific things happen, then everybody that calls us conspiracy theorists can fuck right off because it's no longer theory. We're talking about things that actually wind up happening. So the things that she said were um, an AI attack on the power grid on election day, an AI attack on the water treatment, sewage treatment facilities around the United States, and also a hijacking of electric cars and driving them into lines of people waiting to vote. Those are three very specific scenarios that are being role-played by some very dangerous companies out of Israel. And they're not doing this in a vacuum. They, they, there's something, we know how these things work. We know that, that simulations and role-playing events allow um, for the pre-positioning of assets, people, items, whatever, agendas. They start, so these things happen in advance so you know i'm not saying with 100 percent certainty that w- that what whitney was talking about is actually going to happen it may it may not hopefully none of those things happen but if any of them do and we have this conversation again you know as, as we do twice a month um we'll have to discuss why it is you know are we nostradamus here are we the great Karnak? I mean, what are we doing? Are we just guessing? Or is there sort of a pattern forming here? So I th- we'll, we'll see how it goes after the election. I'm, I'm obviously a little concerned. And actually, while you're, while you're here, I have a quick question for you. Yeah. Do you have any idea what Eric Schmidt is actually doing at the Pentagon? Do we know? 
with any certainty what that guy's yeah, up. So it's like it's like why is this guy like in the Pentagon? And yeah. um, here's the thing: is that um, Eric Schmidt is a controlled asset. Okay, he's not an autonomous person. He was selected to be the CEO of Google by you know a group of influencers, and um, the one of those people is Henry Kissinger. So when you think like, why is Eric Schmidt at the pe Pentagon? A better question is why is Henry Kissinger at the Pentagon through his agent? Okay. And right. it's because that, well, he's a power player and, you know, they've got their people in there and it's a negotiation. Right. Interesting. I, I got a that, but that was fire right there. I did not know anything about Henry Kissinger and uh, whatever. I want to thank Zach. Zach, I know you hit me up on Twitter. You got to do my program. Ricky, thank you again for putting these together, man. I hope to see you guys two weeks uh, from now from Iowa. God bless. Yay. Love you. No, Good, Good, luck. Good luck. You're thanks, a hero. Guys. <laughs> ah, thanks. And, and Charlotte, don't forget the asteroid that's supposed to come close to, to hitting uh, the U.S. November 2nd. Yeah. Let's just bring that, that on. Why, why not? Let's yeah. just put us out of our misery. And uh, I guess the other question is, why was Kissinger meeting with Trump? early on in the Oval Office. I mean, that happened almost right out of the gates. Those two. Well, Kissinger has known Trump for, you know, 50, 40 years, but also growing up the way I did in New York. And I, I, I was always told that Kissinger was such a good guy, but the more I've learned in uh, my research over the last three years, you know, um, like Zach's saying, the, the you know, 40,000 foot view is really that uh, what they want is for us to beg the UN to come in and take over. Ending the cops right. is about ending the cops. Ending the cops is about begging the UN to come save us, which is the opposite of saving us. But Henry Kissinger from day one has always been about the plan for the new world order. And they can call us conspiracy theorists, but there's plenty of evidence. And it's the same dudes that were doing, <laughs> dudes, it's the same guys from, from the beginning of a of hundred years ago. The same cisgendered you know, males. No. <laughs> this is our only, you know, this is our only chance. Everyone can say what they want. I, I've done so much research. I know that the goal of COVID and all of this is really for us to cede our sovereignty to a, uh, a one world order that they've been planning for a hundred years. And had Hillary Clinton won, we would have had 200,000 people dead because it's easier to control a smaller population. And in my mind, the whole defund the police, you know, it's all financed by the same people, same bloodline, same thing, is really about us begging for an outside source to come in because America can't handle its own problems. You know, that's what I'm seeing going on is some kind of total chaos where nobody trusts the left or the right. And then the one that's going to come in on the uh, Trojan horse will be the UN under the guise of, God forbid, for, uh, you know, Joe Biden, who's clearly well, like... I mean, Paul Warburg, the creator of the Federal Reserve System, said we shall have a one world government and it's through a matter of consent or conquest. And so they're going <laughs> to try to get everybody to consent to this and how they're going to do it is through the digital dollar and tying it all to a supranational currency like the special drawing right is going to be the stealth tactic that they use. Right. Well, I mean, how do they keep control in Iran and China? The bank is the government. You know, if humans don't have access to their own capital and their own choices, then, you know, you have no freedom. And that's what they're going for here. And I honestly believe, like Zach's saying, the whole thing is it's not it's not the players we're seeing. It's the players we're not seeing that are that are controlling everything. And ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Hey, before while we wind this down, anybody want to add a couple things or want to let us know any things you have coming up or yeah, go ahead. I'm just going to say too, like one of the real good indications, and I know this is out front. So I know, you know, it is all about the people behind the scenes that we don't see, but if you really, if you go to the UN website and look at the 2030 plan, all the 17 goals that they put in place, you know, ending poverty, ending hunger, economic stuff. Like, I don't know what was on there before, but now every single one is strictly about COVID-19. So they're using that. If you go, swear to God, go to Sustainable Development know, website, and it's all strictly geared around COVID-19. So that is the mechanism by which they're going to roll this out. I mean, it's just, it's right there. It's so crazy. Um, Zach, I do have a question for you. Uh, so you talked earlier about your uh, UFO encounter. So we're actually here in Eugene, Oregon, right next to University of Oregon. So where do we go ah. to find the aliens, man? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was walking from uh ducks village towards the um austin stadium cool wow. okay so that's that's where i saw it uh, have you ever seen anything out there on the horizon honestly there's a lot of things that might be confused as aliens around here but i, I don't think <laughs> is it still police state in eugene oregon you know it's it's kind of crazy man like it's, i wouldn't say necessarily police state uh that's not the impression I get. That's not no. the impression the I get. The citizens are policing it's, it's, themselves. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of like uh, homeless settlements and, and stuff like that, you know, like homeless camps and, you know. Uh, they were so brutal for those parties, those underage, like anyone yeah. that had like an underage party. Somebody actually went to the cops and say, hey, we don't want to get busted. What do we do? Like worked with them. And then they just snuck officers in and busted the whole thing and took wow. the instruments as uh, part of, doing the party. So I've got like a really bad taste. That didn't happen to me, but yeah. uh, the cops are really aggressive over there with cracking yeah. down on everything. So, well, now you, U of O has their own police force now. So they have their own police force. So, <laughs> yeah. So right on, man. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I yeah. just, I just wanted to highlight that uh, not this weekend, but the following weekend, October 10th and 11th, G. Edward Griffin is going to be having his red pill expo on Jekyll Island. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I mean, he's 89 years old. Uh, we know we did see Ron Paul have a stroke the other day. So, I mean, you can't take, can't take, because I, what's I, the date? Yeah. Tim? It's, it's the 10th and 11th. So it's, uh, I was, I was on the phone with his media people uh, two days ago and then uh, was, I had interviewed G. Edward Griffin last week. So it's, it, it was originally canceled, but I think at this point he realizes he's probably gonna lose money but you know at this point you know he's 89 years old he's the you know the godfather you know of all the godfathers in this movement and you know and so just to let people know that that is going on on Jekyll Island uh which is you know for those who don't know that's the island where they hatched the plan for the Federal Reserve System America where they hijacked our country those jerk offs yeah because I interviewed him a while ago too and he was talking about like how he thinks he has to cancel it so that's good news that well, he did. It got. It was originally. Yeah, it's been. I think canceled and moved and postponed. But now he is putting it on. It's coming up. It's. It's all. I got a fly around me. I feel like Obama or something. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah. I really, I really, I really encourage people to uh, go check that out. There's a streaming option. I'm gonna be there. And uh, oh, so you're gonna. The speakers are actually gonna be there. They're not all gonna be like virtual or whatnot. Yeah, well, except for David Ike. So David Ike's gonna be virtual, and the rest, I believe, are are, are all gonna be there. And uh, yeah, so he's. Oh. 89 years old, doesn't give a fuck and just putting it on. So, you know, I'd cool. really recommend people uh, go check that out. Could you attend? Could you attend virtually yes. if you can't make it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's either very cheap or even free, I think, to stream it virtually. So, you know, there's right. really no excuse. And, and a lot of it is focused, obviously, on, you know, the, the pandemic and the health aspect of, of what's going on. 
Um, so yeah, just really recommend people check that out and definitely appreciate, you know, to get the invite here and, uh, yeah, I can't wait for all the fireworks to go down in the uh, instant one round knockout tomorrow for the for the debate. <laughs> yeah, it's Mike Tyson. It's gonna be a Mike Tyson fight. This is gonna, it's gonna. You're gonna spend all day like waiting for it, and then there's it's, no way. That's it. Yeah. I hope so. Some people have been waiting for a lot longer than just all day. So yeah. I retweeted of that like that dude who put on that like mask of that girl. Did you guys see that? Yes, I saw your tweet. I couldn't Whoa. believe it. How it looked, I mean, all, I mean, honestly, you can't like back in the day, it's like, you know, you could believe your eyes. And now it's like, you can't even believe your own eyes. Like, yeah, I, I, I can't like this dude literally put on a mask of like, it, it looked like, it, you know, a girl, a little girl, a toddler. And all of a sudden he's smiling and like, just right before your eyes, he put on this like fake mask and it looked so effing real. I mean, it was it was really creepy. I mean, obviously, you guys know all about like the ability to take people's audio. I forget what it's called when you take people's audio and then you can use it to kind of um, that software where it can make make it sound like they're saying things that they're not really saying by taking fakes. Yeah, that's what I was uh, uh, attempting to figure out. That's why maybe I they should just replace all the cardboard fans with uh, just people wearing those. You know, so. <laughs> It's, That's it's, what I keep thinking. I keep thinking, why don't they just CGI in the fans? It's, right. It's, Is this the best you got, Oscars? To, to but they're also out. putting on, like, the, the sound means... of the clapping and laughing, and we know that they're cardboard. So it... Well, I, it's, so it's going to be a virtual debate, right? Or they're not going to be... Do you think Biden's going to wear a, a mask while talking? I think they, they've already said that they're not going to do a handshake, which makes it sound like they're going to be both in person no, or just you know, socially distancing. Trump's going to grab Biden's pussy. But, uh, yeah. Trump should, <laughs> no, Trump should go over there and pull off his mask like uh, like uh, on Scooby-Doo. <laughs> it's really John Podesta, you know. <laughs> it, so, it, yeah. So, the, so the, Tim, they are going to be in person. They're going to be... Well, I saw the headline. It just said that they're not going to be shaking hands, which makes it seem like they're going to because of COVID social distancing. So it makes it sound like they're going to be in the same location. Uh, I think one of the, the Cleveland Clinic, one of the offshoot colleges or something. <laughs> so then when he passes out, they could just bring him right to the clinic. Yeah. Yeah. Makes, <laughs> so. uh, a little shortcut just in case of emergencies. This is like you can't make this shit up. This is hilarious. <laughs> I, I did it. Yeah. I, any of you got I mean, we, I think all, movie. <laughs> are we all on the same boat like i still can't believe this is actually happening like i like there's no way first of all i mean shouldn't people be asking questions like why is the election right around the corner they haven't had one debate yet like right. that's how you learn people's ideas or lack of in biden's uh you know uh from his perspective like he just like people don't even know what he stands for so many people i talk to and i'm like oh you know they they're like oh yeah you know the least of two evils i'm like well Okay, but like, what what does Biden even stand for? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you see the video. You see the thing will fundamentally change, and he stands for mask mandates. Those are the two things that he's been very clear on. Nothing will change except you'll be wearing a mask. How inspiring! What did Trump do that is evil? Like, if Trump's so evil, exactly. Tell me what it is that is so evil. Well, that's the thing. It's like if you have all the things that you can critique Trump about, you can basically go back and critique the president previously. He didn't he didn't he didn't pay any taxes, but yet underneath the tax but he's using the tax code of the Obama tax code, you know, for when they're trying to say he wasn't paying any taxes, which 
mad at the system? Technically, he didn't break any laws. So, like, yeah, the whole story is bogus. Yeah, it's called real estate, you know, depreciation, carry forward losses. I mean, it's, you know, and and I'd love to see, you know, Bill Gates' tax return and seeing all the charitable giving (laughs) that he does when the charitable giving is just to go to these other companies like the the CDC that then he sends, you know, as a 20 to 1 investment return. So, yeah, I would love to see these people, their their, uh, tax returns. I I wanted to say that in, in regards to what, people who support Biden, I, I infiltrated a Zoom call where it's 100 voters project volunteer training. So people that are basically have TDS um, are commissioned to contact 100 friends or families that they know to, to try to encourage them to vote for Biden. And then they give you talking. They There was a Google Doc of talking points. And they are so weak. They do not answer the questions. Um, they say that QAnon is is an FBI terrorist. It has been deemed by FBI as a terrorist organization. Um, they're just, it's all fluff. And then you realize these people don't, they're out of it. They don't even understand who, watch, who watches uh, Trump. Like I was just watching NBC um, do a, a piece on Trump and they took him out of context that he's going to not rescind if he loses. Meanwhile, it's the left that's projecting well, that, that they're not going to. That a transition integrity project. Yeah, they're exactly. Out, it's the color. It's the color, color revolution mentality. They're putting out a story that's fake so that when when it's debunked and they spread it around everywhere. When it's debunked, people are already so brainwashed that they're just, they don't know what to believe. Well, it's like the oldest Clinton tactic in the playbook is that you accuse your enemies of what you're guilty of, which is in the video four years ago when I said Trump's going to win and they're going to blame it on the Russians because at the time I could see what they were building up. And now it's, you know, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to see that they're going to, you know, try to do everything they can to try to, you know, invalidate the integrity of this election and then drag it out for, you know, months. And then, you know, who knows, it could be Nancy Pelosi casting the, you know, deciding vote or something. I I just, what's scary to me, and we all seem like we're pretty intellectual, is like my my friends, or I I can't even really call people friends when they tell me how awful Trump is and that they're voting for Biden. And I think, who are you? You know, these people that I respected, I'm in New York City, people will tell me to my face that uh, Cuomo did a great job. Uh, on on COVID, and I'm thinking, if I never see you again, that'd be great. Because the truth is, like, who are these people? Who are they? I I think the same. But you know, I have neighbors who think Gates brilliant. Well, don't worry, they're gonna. He thought he knew about this before it happened. I was like, yeah, did he have a cure? Who cares? I mean, he planned it, but did he have a cure? And they look at you like you're crazy, and they put their little Biden sign up on there. I was just like, dear God. Oh my God. You know, or they'll, I love when they're into the green deal, but then they're spraying their lawns with all the pesticides. Right. You know, like they just don't think. And they're not awake and they're not mindful, you know? So. Yeah, but those people then tweet things about The Bachelor. So I'm pretty sure that I probably shouldn't be friends <laughs> with them as it is. But I'm just saying at this point, there's a lot of them. Well, don't worry, yeah, Mel. They're going to get the vaccine, so you're not going to have to see them again anyway. So. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> They, can I, I read? Just, this is yeah. this is one of their talking points. So the left is 
This is a comment. The left is violent, lawless, and against law enforcement. This is the talking point. We put a lot of trust and burden on law enforcement, but the level of trust must come with accountability. Recently, we've seen that law enforcement can escalate violence way beyond what is appropriate at protests and when dealing with people of color. That's not being against law enforcement. That's recognizing a serious problem we need to come together to address. While there's a lot of talk about Antifa and violent anarchists, there's very, very little documentation of any kind that this has happened. Saying that that QAnon is is a uh, violent movement, and it's all these like they're the bad people. Well, then why aren't they suing the board? I mean, the board calls out people as evil. It, it lays out a lot of stuff. Well, they can't because it's the military. But if these people, you know, they're calling out the Rothschilds, they're calling out Epstein, they're calling out people. They're, when Trump says to Laura Ingram that there's people that are fighting me, that have all the money in the world. And Laura Ingram says, what's their names? And he goes, the American people don't know who they are. Well, I know who they are and we all know who they are. And the truth of the matter is that we're at a place where, you know, I mean, they, they let's just talk about it, but everyone's so scared and I get it. But I mean, we're at a point where, you know, they're scary and, and they have to be stopped and, and we just got to keep talking. Well, the Pacer family, Mel. Oh, yeah, I'm hitting it tomorrow. Yeah, Don't worry, I got in big trouble. Like nine months ago, me and Sam got kicked off of, mm-hmm. you know, all of our Legendary. platforms. I'm going yeah. into it again tomorrow. Everyone watch Hell out. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, yeah, that's who it is. But, you know, they, they just, they're, they're bloodline of Kane. So we got to keep it going. Yep. <laughs> well, it, it's obvious now that uh, if a comedian doesn't show up to this, it gets way too depressing. Because we, we almost need to stay up. Poor Sam, I go on a show to, like, to, to tell my theory about about the Pesor and the P and the, and like, he's attacked from all. Poor guy. I'm doing it again with somebody else. I actually sent him an email and I was like, listen, dude, I know I'm coming on tomorrow and you want me to talk about this, but uh, you should probably look at what happened to Sam when I went on there. But you know what? It is true or they wouldn't be attacking us. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it, but you know, this is bigger than we think. And, and these people you know, are sick. The, the bright note is people are waking up. And even during the height of this whole thing at the lockdown, uh, as you guys probably know, if you've listened to my show, I'm talkative and I, I don't stray away from conversation. And I would, every opportunity I had, if I was at, you know, a grocery store, if I was at waiting in line to get takeout, whatever it was, I'd always like just you know, small talk with them. And then little by little, I would be like, hey, you know, this is kind of silly, right? I mean, all this stuff. And you would just start stating some things like, oh, you know, all these false positives with the tests. Oh, all these hospitals and inflating numbers. And people, it's the technique of getting people to just... Like people who all the polls were saying that Trump was going to lose, and then he won because a lot of people who they weren't sharing what they were thinking, you know. And same thing happened with this, where you, a lot of people were questioning, like, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't know anybody who's dying. I know people work at a hospital, and they're saying it's not as busy. Like, so all these people were having these doubts and ha- having these internal questions and dilemmas. But the problem was that you put these. You know, you muffle our voices with these masks. You tell us not to get together so we can't chat and then share ideas. And it created this perfect cocktail of everybody just assuming that maybe like I'm just, you know, I'm the crazy person who's questioning things or looking or or, or asking these questions and, and thinking like things don't make sense. But maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm crazy because everybody else seems to be on the same page. So 
the second you you do discuss these things with people, um, at, at least during the lockdown, it, it seemed like a lot of people were open to the idea that like, yeah, this isn't making a lot of sense. Wait, why can't why do I have to wear a mask to my table at a restaurant? But yet, once I sit down, I can take it off. Why do I have to wear a mask at the gym? And and yet, like we're all using the same spray bottle, uh, spraying everything, and nobody, yeah, nobody's cleaning the the spray bottle. So all these things that don't make sense. It's like if you actually talk to people, sometimes you can chip away at those things. Now, anybody who still is extremely for the masks and all this stuff, it won't take long before you realize it's not motivated by science. It's not motivated by back uh, uh, facts. It's motivated by politics. Fear. They're, they're, Fear. They're, they're saying it, but it's not even just fear. Like, I think even the people who are the most extreme um, people who, who were really afraid, uh, you know, during the height of all this, even they have seen enough evidence where they're like, OK, maybe this isn't as bad as they said. But if they're still pushing it, it's all politics now. Like the majority of people who are still wearing masks and saying we should, it's because they're saying they're. The, the way they look at at it is if Trump wanted to lo- uh, to to open up the country and was kind of against the lockdown to some extent, then I'm on the opposite. Uh, I'm going to go in the opposite direction and I'm going to say, no, he didn't take it seriously. It's serious. But it's all motivated by, you know, their political uh, position. And, you know, and we're also in a in, in a spot and, you know, I, not to make this uh, outro too long because uh, I'm notorious for long intros and outros. But. The, the thing is, the, the the truth is, we're almost in a post-fact world, right? Because back in the day, like when we, when the internet, like we all research on the internet, you could say, hey, here's an article, here's this, here's that, and now nobody believes anything anywhere. And it's like, it's like when Hillary Clinton said, "We're in an information war and we're losing the war." I mean, so they had to crack down. Alex Jones is way ahead of his time in regards to Infowars. I mean, then that name it. Perfect. Because like now you show somebody something on on the Internet, it's like they only believe it if it's pushing whatever you know perspective they have, because now you can always poo poo and say, well, you know, it's on the Internet. Who knows? You like there's conflicting opinions. And it's kind of like we're like there's so many conflicting. You could find an article to defend anything. You know, you right. can have any cr- perspective whatsoever. You can find enough people on the Internet to defend it. So what what's happened is that instead of using the Internet as a tool to kind of, I guess, make your point and be like, hey, look, here's some good articles. Here's some good research. They'll be right. like, oh, here's some counter, you know, research. Here's some counter uh, science, you know. So it's like it's gone to the point where just like people really have to what well, well, people have to do a better job at is being able to analyze all the information and people then, can. People can. They just don't. You know. And and the other thing that you're saying is this isn't new. My like hero, I like I, I studied in college was this woman Hannah Arendt who wrote the Origins of Totalitarianism, and also she died in the 70s. And also uh, Eichmann in Jerusalem, a study in the banality of evil. And it's the same exact story yet again. It is. It is following orders and saying, you know, I was just following orders. That was Eichmann's thing. He, he didn't, it didn't matter where the trains were going. His job was to get the people yeah. on them. And, you know, this, this whole mentality, but in Origins of Totalitarianism, which is one of the greatest books ever, I believe it's banned now in America, <laughs> in American colleges. But um, she wrote uh, flat out that the ultimate uh, goal for the totalitarian government is to have people believe everything and nothing at the same time. That's what William Casey said. He said, 
Well, no, our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. The other day I saw a fact check on a Biden meme where it showed Biden and Robert Byrd and it said that he was with a, a KKK grant a leader. And it goes, this is false. Uh, he was not the leader of the KKK. He was only a grand cyclops of the KKK. So, I mean, that's like, okay, so you're splitting hairs on that, uh, which actually is, is how I first started getting memes out was I had a picture of Hillary kissing Robert Byrd. And I wrote, when's the last time Trump kissed a grand dragon? Except I, I made a mistake. He was actually a grand cyclops in charge of setting up KKK cells, not the actual leader of the KKK. So I did have some fake news back in the day, but I've atoned for that. Credibility, Tim. Yep. So. We have to start laughing at them. I mean, I mean, I know it's not funny, but it's some. I do laugh so, at them. It's so over <laughs> the top. I mean, every time I see something now, I'm just because we know and we're trying to get it out. But at the same time, it's it's so desperate that if, if everyone knew, everyone would be laughing because it, it's unreal. Well, it's there's so unreal. many people that are at the same stage that we're at where you're just upset every person who still is freaking out about this wearing a mask talking about whatever you know biden i mean you just want to shake them and be like what the fuck is wrong with you like like i i almost don't even have the patience at times to like i'm like you're too much work like you just uh, like i you're so lost that they just i don't have enough hours in the day uh to to try to get you know reel you in but i i think a lot of times also it's just it's politics i mean it's it, Politics have always done a great job every election year of just dividing the, you know, the public, making us feel like, you know, like, hey, you know, we're on the right team. And if we vote this guy in, it's going to be different. It's and the it's most gonna important be... one ever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you look at the, uh, what is it, the Oliver Stone's uh, Untold History of the United States. You look at some of those clips from old debates. They're literally saying that they're in black and white. You can see the Nixon uh, Kennedy debate and they're saying literally the same shit they say today. Oh, we're for the working class. We're for Main Inf Street. Infra Wall infrastructure. Infrastructure. You know? <laughs> yeah. you know, like all this nonsense. And it's like they've been saying the same thing over and over again. We get tricked over and over. I mean, I think that's why they finally legalized weed because they know it hurts our memory and then they can keep tricking us, <laughs> you know? And it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's just, a, I guess, a, one of them. How, how many of you live in cities where people are wearing face diapers outside? Oh, my God. Outside. New York, crazy. so full, full on willingly. So, I mean, Some sometimes I walk by me this morning. I'm coming back with coffee, and he goes, "Put on your mask, you imbecile." I go, "It's fake," <laughs> and just kept walking. I mean, I'm the only I, one I of the say... grocery. Uh, I, I, Sorry, live in go ahead. I live in Maricopa County, which is supposedly oh, the God. worst, the worst, you know, outbreak in the entire world. And I don't really know. I don't know a single person that has it. I don't know anybody that knows anyone that has it. Uh, I'm always out and about, but you know, it's, it's depressing to go into a grocery store and I'm the only one without a mask. And, you know, and this is supposedly like, like cowboy country and, and yet, you know, it's, we're all been, you know, neutered even, even here in, in Phoenix, uh, which, yeah, which supposedly this is, I mean, there's supposedly more, just as many deaths here as there is in all of China. And, uh, you know, so if anyone could believe that, like, we're only like a few hundred deaths away from the entire death count of China, supposedly. It's just, you know, so laughable. I can understand in the grocery store, but I just cannot. I just sometimes under my breath go, uh, didn't you get the memo? This is over. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. 100, it's a, it was 104 degrees outside today, and it's actually a, a cooler day. And you see people walking around outside with masks on, and it's just, you know, unbelievable. And, and riding around on bikes, you know, with a mask right. on, but no helmet, you know, and really stupid <laughs> shit like that. That's just driving by themselves. Yeah, it, the whole thing is just 
it, it is frustrating. I mean, I, that's why Jason Berman sometimes he, he gets so worked up. And if I talk to people about it, I'll get worked up because it's just like it's it's almost it's so obvious now. But this, isn't it weird? Because it's like you keep thinking like, OK, the Epstein thing, right? Like child trafficking. That was something that like only conspiracy theorists talked about and it seemed so crazy. And then this Epstein story broke and it was the craziest of crazy stories that the mainstream media was talking about. Like you had links to Trump, you had links to Gates, oh, you had links to, to everybody that, you know, in, in the mainstream or in in the public eye that you know names people actually knew faces they actually knew that was linked to this guy he was and a financial advisor for the clintons he helped set up the clinton foundation i mean so. and, and the bronfmans and the rothschilds and uh wexner and the mega group the guy was and who's in the was connected to nexium too or he, oh i'm sure cia the guy was satan they're stupid they pulled in somebody outside of their bloodline and we got them all but my point is like you figure like that would change like this thing this this whole thing right now would be a little easier to believe when that thing just went public right like, and and it's like every time you think like oh this is the gonna be the red pill that's gonna really it's like next thing you know they're falling for the trick again they're like no yeah. no oh no that yeah that yeah i get it yeah child trafficking that does happen i believe that's conspiracy now that that whole thing i was calling a conspiracy conspiracy theory i believe that it, it exists now but this one no that's just you connecting dots that aren't there again and it's just like and then it's like how much more evidence do you need i mean some people ignorance is bliss to them the idea that the way they see the world could be false you know like um like i always say it's easier to trick somebody than convince them they've been tricked it's it, it's just so hard to to convince them that like hey you know like you know you might be wrong about all this you might like you might have it all wrong and it's like it's not an ego thing it's not because i'm trying to say that like i know something you don't know and i think sometimes that's what some of the pushback is it's like what do you call me an idiot like you didn't fall for it and i did you know and i think that's a part of it like people have to put their egos aside and realize like it's not about ego it's about like we're all on on the same team like it doesn't matter if you believe in q or if you believe that q is you know joe exotic you know it's <laughs> But the, oh, I wish that'd be great. But, imagine that. That'd be yeah. That that'd be crazy. Yeah. So people take it to to ego. I mean, my uncle just passed away five days ago, and they supposedly had corona. They put him on a ventilator, and I told my dad, um, "Sorry to tell you, but eight out of ten people do not make it off of a ventilator." I don't care what you have to say. The best thing you can do is pray. Now he's dead. And they're going to think it's the coronavirus, not the fact that his lungs got traumatized. Um, so, and that's how you perpetuate this um, exaggerated hoax. And even my grandparents are like, I'm telling them about the, the vaccine and, you know, only one half of my grandparents. And they're like, well, you know, we're just going to see what they say. I'm like, what do you do? What do you mean you're going to see what they say? Right. Obviously, they're going to say it's safe <laughs> and effective and to take it and you need to do this well, to save humanity. Neurological issues. I mean, people already, people during the trials, I forget which specific trial, they're already having neurological. Oh, yeah. Moderna. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I heard uh, Bill Gates and his and the partner already unloaded all of their shares of Moderna. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, the truth you know, so. I mean, really, look at him. I mean, he. What do you mean? Oprah told us he was a great guy 20 years ago, and now I believe it. Yeah, you well, know, like. Who's that? Who's that all... There's a quite a few people that Oprah was a fan of that didn't turn out to be. Why, why, there's a picture with like with Weinstein and I think like Kuma Abedin on one side and Hillary on or you know yeah but anyway, I do want to give a Obama elected 
she she single hand in my opinion i never heard of obama until oprah went up him but that's not even the point it's all the same people it's always all the same people yeah i want to give a shout out to jeffrey wilson who's been chatting uh on my youtube channel for uh the conspiracy farm uh has been uh chatting yeah, away here, you, so. i haven't seen you in a while He's a yeah. He he he's a regular for the first couple of weeks, and then uh, I don't know. Maybe it's been. I mean, I've I've been making this for about a year now. So in 2004, if you th or not 2004, four years ago, 2016, if you thought that Trump, you know, had basically no chance in hell of winning, and you're part of the deep state, are you going to go risk a felony to, you know, do retail election fraud or to have, you know, stuffing ballots or mail-in fraud or, you know, even like hacking the machines, but like they did down in Georgia or, you know, fraction magic that Bev Harris uh, uh, of Black box voting exposed and, and what black what that is is where they can have a program that presets to say okay you know uh you know 48 percent of your vote goes one way one percent goes you know the third party and then the other 50 percent of your vote or 51 percent goes over here and so that way the numbers line up uh you know or and so if you're part of the deep state you're probably not going to risk a felony if you think hillary has it in the bag and so they were so cocky with this that i think that it was really to their detriment and now they don't need to, it doesn't matter what the overall public opinion is of America, it really only matters. Well, I mean, it does, but it really only matters what a few different counties in a few different states and rigging those votes in a few different places. So if they get Maricopa County, they're able to rig that. That's the entire state of Arizona, pretty much. And then you know, and you go to other places like Wisconsin or Pennsylvania, and then not it's not only rigging that; it's then taking all the AI, all the tech, all the you know, all the Google, everything, and then steering people in a certain direction where they're not allowed to see some information, they're seeing others. And so, I think that's a big point that people are discounting that we didn't have. Uh, that I think that this is a major blind spot, and I've been trying to warn people, and they were telling me to you know trust the plan the entire time. But I think unfortunately, you know, Trump was able to, you know, hold off World War Three, hold off a lot of the, you know, bad shit that Hillary was going to, you know, get down the pipeline with, you know, contact tracing and everything that they had planned to do to us. But unfortunately, we didn't do anything to fix voting. We didn't do anything to get it on a blockchain. I think we might have. I think we might have. Zach, uh, if you're still here, didn't we, didn't they do something in blockchain and stuff to, to make voting? Uh, yeah, more? there's, there's, it's there's some blockchain near. stuff, but it's not it's not, it's ready. not enough. They could they no, could have a ready. rollout. They, it, it is it is the thing is it is ready, but they just they don't want to. Uh, you know they you know it's was a Stalin that said it doesn't matter who votes, it's who counts the votes, and I count the votes. I can't remember if it's him or Lenin, but right. you know they don't they don't want to have a a system where they can audit it in real time. I mean they can have it now where if you are and I know people that have already developed these protocols where you could have a, a private key that says okay we're going to put in my private key say that my vote went where I think it's going or uh, where I thought it where I thought it went, but you know, they don't want to have that because they want to have the power. They want to have control. That's why, you know, Soros owns a bunch of the Diebold voting machines. And I just think that that is just a blind spot that people haven't really thought of. Uh, it was part of my Anarchapoca presentation that Charlie was at back in February, where I also called, you know, the financial crisis and how you should be, you know, using put options and stuff. But anyways, I do have to go feed my dog. I really, you know, appreciate, you know, everyone having me on here and, and would love to connect with, uh, you know, a bunch of you guys for, you know, podcasts and, and whatnot. And thank you, Ricky, for, for having me on. Thanks for coming.